everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I am sitting here with Matt Myra, whom you know as one of the hosts of the Nerdist podcast and a writer for At Midnight. And there's other stuff. It's too much stuff. Also, I like that you play the theme music live. That yes, really saves many... you a lot of work. <laughs> Pointing at Jack. It, it helps. <laughs> That's all that does. You're just lazy. Or do no, you just like it? You like, I like You it. like hearing it. Yeah, yeah. I like it's hearing energy. it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, I take it you guys don't. No, God, no. Because you just don't have that kind of I've, time? For, or? For, for two years, Chris was doing intros on the podcast that I never knew existed. <laughs> I take it you don't listen to your own podcast. No, why would I do that? I experienced it once. That was enough. I know. Sometimes people tweet like, you said this, and I go, what? (laughs) At the very beginning, I used to listen, and then I stopped ever listening, and only recently I've started listening again. Are you going back through the back catalog? No, 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 no. Just to hear your arc? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I don't have that kind of time or interest in in, uh, myself. No, I just want to sort of want to hear what's going on yeah, lately. Sure. I just feel like it's good to check in every now yeah, and then. Yeah, you want to check. It's make not sure for your energy's cousin. right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it was yeah. because I listened to an episode recently and I realized there's we don't have enough energy. Yeah. I had to fire my husband. Yeah. And how'd that work out? Is he um, getting unemployment? Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's <laughs> exactly. Good. <laughs> I forgot that I had ever paid into it, but <laughs> yeah, it's oh. fine. Um, so, Thank but what are the me. other, what are the other uh, things that let's you see, do? I do, uh, other podcasts, another podcast right? called James Bonding, which is, uh, with Matt Gorley. We talk about James Bond movies, mm-hmm. uh, exhaustively, sometimes longer than the length of the actual movie we're talking about. <laughs> uh, and then the other one I do is with, uh, Scott Mosier of the Smodcast. Uh, he and I do a podcast called Phoebe, which is Four Eyes and Beard. Both of those are very intermittent. They're sort of whenever we decide to right. do one. So, for instance, I believe we've done one Phoebe this year. There's one sitting on a hard drive at home I've so lazily forgotten to put up <laughs> that we now have to record another one because there's a new ad and I have to... So, we'll have two of those up very soon. And James Bonding, that's hard too. It's just schedules that are hard to mm-hmm. do. And then people get mad at you that their free stuff's not there on time. <laughs> well, and here's a very inside baseball question and then we will... Yeah, get outside sure. of the Do baseball it. diamond and uh, catch up with like how you got to where you are and all that. But what's that like doing podcasts on different networks? It's great. I did, deliberately did that. Tell I don't want to. I don't want to be tied to one entity. I'm sure you can uh, understand I don't that know kind what you're of thing. About. <laughs> uh, but you don't want to be tied to one place. You want to spread out, right? So I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket. I mean, Chris's I, basket. Not even that. I don't want them in Hardwick's basket. His basket's full enough. <laughs> It's got TV shows in there, and I I can't fit all the time. Uh, no, and it also was just sort of a, a way of going, just letting me feel like I was breathing outside of the Nerdist umbrella. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as it's, you know, some of it we do. James Bonding is on the Nerdist Network. Phoebe was originally supposed to be a co-Nerdist Smodcast thing, and then it just turned into, I just have everybody at Smod do all the stuff for us. Right. So that's really all. That all gets handled over there. But there's no like, hey, why are you yeah, no. over there? It's, it's, it's good. It's all cool. I, you know, there's, there's, there's potentially, it depends on, there's another podcast that's been circulating that we've been talking about doing. I've been talking to um, Dustin over at Feral Audio. Mm. Oh, wow. It. You're yeah. going to do the triumvirate? Yeah. I might even go to Wolf Pop too, guys. There's oh, a lot. Whoa. There's a, I just want to be the most diversified wow. podcast portfolio. I want to be the Kevin O'Leary like the- of Pod Tank. <laughs> Village bicycle. <laughs> yeah. Guys, everyone can get a Matt Meyer podcast. Just ask. 
I'll do it. Um. Oh, oh one more inside yeah. baseball question. Sure. Then we are really not no, going to no, do such please. podcast. I think specific the people questions. listening probably are curious about this. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, then, what do you see as the purpose of? Uh, this is completely hypothetical, yeah. theoretical. Yeah. Go. What do you see as the purpose of a podcast network? The purpose of a podcast network is to gain a lot of ad revenue mm-hmm. for whoever owns the podcast network. <laughs> <laughs> that is the goal of a well, podcast network. Well, I found network. that to be true as well. Yeah. But I guess what I'm wondering is... No, I mean, is... that's just simple. That's just what it is. I mean, it's whoever starts the network. But they do a lot of the legwork, too. They find the advertisers for you, et cetera, et cetera. But the goal of having it... I think having a network... There's two ways to look at it. There's the creative way of looking at it, and then there's the business side of looking at it. I mean, and I should I should explain. The reason I'm asking is because you're talking about diversifying, doing podcasts with all these different networks. Yeah. And I'm as someone who's now gone completely independent, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, well, you could also go independent, though. Yeah, I could. But there's... I think that not going independent is purely laziness. Like, I don't want to upload the episode and right. then deal with the RSS feed and all that stuff. Dude, get a Jeff. I did that. Well, <laughs> you know, I have a couple Jeffs. I got a Katie Levine. And I got oh, a, yeah. yeah. I, I know her. Yeah, Katie's She's great. great. Yeah. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, and I started, when I started podcasting in 2008, a long time ago, uh, with uh, Todd Glass and Jimmy Dore, we did a podcast called Comedy and Everything Else, and I was the producer of that podcast, so I had to handle, like, getting the RSS feed, all that and it wasn't, uh, at the time, it wasn't uh, as widespread as it is today, so the information was not as easy to come by. So it was essentially just me just running down Matt Belknap and going, hey, Matt, <laughs> what the fuck do I do here? Uh-huh. And then he was kind enough to say, go here, do that. And then I just did that for 80 episodes. Right. But you'd rather just go in, talk into a mic, it's and great. then walk out. Yeah, and not like I am doing right now. Yes. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to entertain you guys for about an hour and 45 We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. And then I walk out the door and then it goes up in the world and someone gets to hear it and complain about it. Right. Well, that's being, that's being a guest on a podcast. Yes. But if you're also, if you're hosting a podcast and you do it on a network, you get that feeling too. You yes. get to walk into a studio, record it, put it down on wax, walk out the door, everything's happy. Right. I it's really true. like that. It's true. For a period of time, I was doing a lot more of this on my own. Yeah. And Jeff will attest, I've slowly started sliding more and more <laughs> over towards him. Yeah. It's just easier and it comes out better. It's Yeah. It, you don't need to be messing around with that stuff. Thank you. You have bigger, fi- bigger comedy fish to fry. That's right. Yeah. You got ideas. That's right. I'm an ideas person. You don't need to be there going, oh, look at the numbers for this and that. And I need to talk to Audible about when they're sending that check. and. Mm. It's ridiculous. I have been that person before. Yeah, you don't want to be that person. No. Audible, so, start sending checks, by the way. <laughs> I think you owe me like four cycles. <laughs> um, well, if we're going to be wagging our fingers, it's not just them. Uh, it's not just them. It's yeah. all of the advertisers. Why yeah. are they on a... You know what, advertisers... I love. I do love your support. Who is today's podcast brought to us by? Do we know that yet? Yes, or, it'll yeah. be brought to us by Vegas.com and Naturebox. Guys, I love Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, you That's do? Fantastic. You know, I was going to bring this up later, but I may as well bring it up now. Here's the thing. <laughs> Springtime is the best time to visit Vegas and get the best deals. Now, if you're, you're not like, wrong, if you're like me, when you go to Las Vegas, you're yeah. walking around and you're like, well, uh-huh. look at all these people here. I just know this is just how I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm petty. I know there's some people here who are having a better time than I am. And I know that they paid less. How did they hook that up? You're probably wondering that I as well. I often wonder that. It's like I'm speaking. Just in life. Not even specifically in Las Vegas, right. but more in Las Vegas than you know, anywhere. We need a Vegas.com for everywhere. Yeah. But for right now, I can hook you up with the one that's in Vegas. 
Vegas. Oh, sure. And here's the thing about Vegas.com. Yeah. Unlike other travel sites, everyone there lives in Vegas, <laughs> works in Vegas, plays in Vegas. They're insiders. That's how they get you the best deals. And Vegas.com. Yeah, she's very good with this copy. She's barely looking at it. It's amazing. This isn't what even copy? an ad read. She's this just is, I'm just talking, talking about, about something subject. I care yes, about. I'm pulling back the podcast curtain. <laughs> Here's the thing about Vegas.com. They have a proprietary drop wash tool that promises you the lowest rates on hotels, so it continues to monitor the price even after you book and notifies you of changes to ensure you get the best deal. Well, you get hang the best on. Price. Let's say I book. Am I allowed to then get the best price that's available after the fact? Yes. If it wow. drops, you're not screwed because you get a best price guarantee even after you've paid. Do you hear that? All of my future wedding guests? do that then i don't feel bad about the stupid block of rooms i get at that never mind yes Hi. they should do that and and listen but listen yeah I'm it's listening. not just the best rates on hotels uh-huh. it's also best rates on headliner shows what? tours attractions vip bottle service to top clubs go to vegas.com right now click on the microphone in the top Hang right on. corner are we saying a lot of people are booking vip bottle service through vegas.com they should be if they're wow. not because they can get you a deal. Well, do you know how expensive that is? Yeah, I've, I've seen it happen. I, I would Cost- never do it again, but I've seen it happen. Do it at Vegas.com. Go to Vegas.com right now. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and enter my code BESTFRIEND to receive an extra 10% off everything but air hotel packages. That's Vegas.com. Click on the microphone and get your bonus savings by using my secret code BESTFRIEND. Book today. Well, that's a funny turn of events normally i would never do that so early in the episode no, but, but it just I, felt all natural it. yeah as people who've listened to my podcast know i i i might have a gambling problem oh do you really <laughs> i just really enjoy going to vegas like let's talk about well okay here's let's just lay it out there's so much happening we need to talk about gambling we need to talk about yeah. the fact that you're recently engaged yes we need to talk about where you're from uh-huh. how you got there you sure. used to work at the apple genius I, bar I all that at the grove yeah. yeah. Oh, I've been to that one. Yeah, sure. And what I was going to say before, though, just to close the loop, is advertisers are on a like th- a very delayed schedule of when they pay. Yeah. What's up with that? The end. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> You're from... Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. Specifically Lowell. Oh, yeah. we know someone, Mike Lynch, who lives in Lowell. Mike Lynch's parents are my godparents. Is that true? Yeah. How? Lori How do you guys... and Bill. Uh, our mothers are best friends since oh. high school. How's Mike doing? Mike's doing well. He's back in Massachusetts. He's Great. a therapist now. Yes. This is for people who are like, who are you talking about and why are you doing this to us? Um, Mike Mike's Lynch. the guy that ghostwrites all of Adam's books. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I don't even think it's a secret. No. So Mike writes yeah. Adam's books um, and used to used to work at the studio. With yeah. Us, so. And then he finally had enough of Los Angeles and went back to what he went to school for. Well, right. sort of. I guess it's what he went to grad school for. Yes. Yeah. Well, so this is a very small world. Yeah, it is. So how was growing up? We grew up-, up on the same street. Wow. Mike and I. Yeah. How was growing up in Lowell? Uh, it was, you know, it was fine. It was not, uh, it was not as bad as the fighter makes it look. Mm-hmm. You know, there. I mean, there was plenty of crack, uh, but we lived on the side of town that was furthest away from that. It's oh, called, so it's not crack Belvedere. adjacent. That was okay. the name of our section of town, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it was, it was, you know, it was suburbia. There was one, uh, we just had one black kid in our school and he was a good guy. And, uh, so when I would watch movies of like all these, uh, these scenes where there's like, I'm like, kids are getting like beat up and all this stuff. I was like, what is that? I don't even know what that's like. Mm-hmm. It was just a strange thing to see, but I guess if you got closer to downtown, although Lowell is predominantly, uh, Cambodian and Vietnamese. Hmm. Did you know that, guys? I, That's do, a do, do these faces look like we knew that? I mean, guys. Or care. Which means a lot of really good food. <laughs> There's a lot of good food there. 
Uh, Lowell's a real working class sort of town. Uh, and I was there. My parents moved there right before I was born. They from? had uh, Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my whole family is from Cambridge. Uh, so you're English. Yes. Yes. <laughs> East Cambridge over by uh, the Cambridge Side Gallery and the Museum of Science. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we moved to Lowell and I went to private school for high school. My parents wouldn't let me go to public high school. Why? Because the one my, black kid? My three siblings had done that. Oh. And Are you the young? You not, must be the youngest. Yeah, it did not turn out well. What happened? For them. They're not uh, great at life. What are they doing? That's a great question. Yeah, that's why I asked uh, it. My brother at this point, I think he was, let's see here. I'll run through his, the last few jobs I remember him having. Okay. Uh, selling insurance, selling uh, water filtration systems, uh, going to school to be an airport, uh, airplane mechanic, uh, uh, going into construction, uh, asking me to buy him a car, uh, these are some mm-hmm. of his jobs. Uh, my that was a job. Son, it seemed like it because <laughs> that's the last time I talked to him. Uh, yeah, and he's uh, he has three kids, divorced, maybe officially. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Then my two sisters, one of them works at uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Orlando. Mm-hmm. My whole family moved to Florida. Oh. Yeah. Isn't Why? That weird? I, that's a great question. My mother says it was because she was fed up with the snow. I am of the school of thought that it was because my brother had moved there and brought the grandkids. Oh. So I feel like that was Your really... brother who's in sales and school? Yeah, and now back in Massachusetts. What? Yeah. After everyone after moved all there? That after fun. your sister got hooked up yeah. with a wizard's yeah. job? So, and yeah, and both, uh, all of my siblings, after my parents moved to Florida, moved to Florida. My sisters, the, the umbilical cord has not been cut. Right. And they are in their mid-40s. So it's stretching from Florida to back to Massachusetts now? No, no. It stretches from Florida to Florida because they couldn't stay away from my parents. So they now live in Florida as well. So my entire immediate family is in Florida, except for my brother, who I think potentially is in Massachusetts or New Hampshire from the last information I got. Okay. (laughs) I thought you said your parents moved back to Massachusetts. No, no, no. Everyone went to Florida. Maybe I did say that, but I didn't mean that. Okay. That's what I said. Right. And what what are your sisters? So one of your sisters is wizarding. What's the other one doing? Uh, Daycare. She 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 teaches daycare. That does eight dollars and fifty cents an hour oh. in Florida. All right, I've paid her rent a lot too. It's a lot. It's a lot. Wow! So they turn to you for money. They all do. Yeah. Parents too. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And you give it to them. That's nice. I have many times. I wish we'd had you on the show before the first of the month. <laughs> <laughs> I would have put the bite on you myself. Yeah. <laughs> wake up! Wake up! When did uh, this start? The asking you for money. Uh, I think it started. You know, probably. I was like 25 or so. And what were you doing at that point that you could afford to give Genius them money? Bar. I was just supporting myself at the Genius Bar. It was, you know, it was not, I, it's not that I can afford it. Okay. So if they ask, gotcha, I'll do gotcha. it. That's so nice. How do you feel about all that? Uh, I need to stop. Mm-hmm. And I have, for the most part, stopped. How are they taking that? I don't know. I try to not talk to them as often as I can. Not to, I talk to my parents still. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's always the the chain of command is 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 as follows: if if my siblings need money, and then my mother informs me that they do in fact need the money, then I will think about it. Okay. But if I don't hear it through my mother, I never will do it. Why? Because I don't. Because my parents are old, mm-hmm. and they've worked enough, and they're still working like three jobs to support them. It's insane. It's insanity. What do your parents do? My mother was a registered nurse. Uh. 
she worked uh, she worked in a hospital for a long time. Then she was like the head of pediatrics over at uh, Lowell General Hospital. And then when they moved, my dad was a technician at Hewlett Packard for years and years and years. And then they moved uh, in 2004, and it was hard to find jobs in Orlando. So my dad works at SeaWorld. <laughs> he still does. Doing what? He is in the call center, which oh. is great for him because it's air conditioned. So he <laughs> likes that. And uh, my mother, I think she works at a law firm. Uh, I think she's like a consultant for medical cases or something like that. Like she has to go over the med- medical mm-hmm. stuff. I, that's vague. It's right. very vague. I, but I think that's what she does to my knowledge. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was going to say they obviously they don't have any like retirement or anything like that. It sounds like. It sounds like they've blown through it to me. Mm-hmm. On or what? If they, hopefully they haven't. On what? They're layabout kids? Yeah. That's, that's from what I can tell. Right. Yeah. Well, that's so of nice of you to help out. Yeah, I do what I can when I can, but there's Does it create resentment? I don't know. I well, don't know. you would know. I would try not to... Oh, do I resent them? Yes. I thought you were wondering if they resented me. Oh, well, that's another question. That but I don't know. No, do I, I would... resent them? Yes. <laughs> well, at least you're in touch with it. I resent... I know. I resent what they've done to my parents. Oh, when I say them, I'm including your parents in it. Oh, I don't resent my parents. They do the best they can. I right. mean, they should really stop, but... Stop what? Stop helping. And it comes a point when right. the clock ticked over past 40. You got to go, well, I tried my best. <laughs> Didn't quite work the way I wanted it to. Yeah. I'll move on. Okay. So wait, I'm, I'm confused with all, with all the thems. Do your Two parents sisters. ask? Yeah. No, no. I got, oh, I got, God, okay. do your parents ask you for money? They, uh, they have. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Then yeah, I'm yeah. not confused. Okay. okay. Yeah, you so, get it all. All right. So you have you don't have a problem with your parents asking you for money. Well, you I don't a... to a point. Okay. But there, you know, I had a lot of savings at one point and I don't anymore. <laughs> because now, you helped out or because of the gambling I helped problem? Out. No, not that. <laughs> 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 Maybe a little bit. No, I don't. It's not that bad of a problem that I would Yeah. Uh so yeah, it's it's hard because it's like and now I'm having a wedding that's mm-hmm. gonna happen in Las Vegas. And then I have to deal with the fact that I'm like asking my mother, I'm like, how are they going to get to the wedding? Right. Is this something I'm going to have to pay for on top of the $30,000 I'm already paying? Mm. And then it turns, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know. I don't think my sisters are going to come because I don't think they can afford to come. How do you feel about that? I feel fine. (laughs) I feel fine with that. Yeah. It's like, what am I going to do? I can't like. I can't buy everybody's plane tickets to come to yeah. Vegas. I could have gotten married in Orlando, I suppose, but yeah. Why didn't you think about that? I tried. <laughs> could have gotten married at the uh, France gazebo at Epcot. <laughs> so when are you getting married? In October. In October, and what are we now? Okay, so it's still some ways away. Yeah, but it'll go fast. Yeah, it should. How I are you hope. feeling about that? I'm excited about the wedding. I'm not excited about the process of mm-hmm. getting married, in the sense of like decision making and stuff that i ultimately uh think i don't care about but maybe i will i don't know yes that's the hard part you got to figure you know you do she seems to know what she wants and that's fine so Mm -hmm. whatever it is that she wants great we'll do that unless it's completely illogical (laughs) then i will say no but it's she's she's also got you know she's dealing with her parents who are jewish so that's a whole thing apparently i didn't even know about which is the guilt that they throw on her about who they're inv- who's getting invited to this but her friend needs to go and then her mother's cousin's uncle and then mm. it's the whole thing yeah 
you don't realize till you're planning a wedding the whole who in, gets invited and all of that it's is very like confusing whole, yeah and it's a minefield yeah but i was thinking a destination wedding would really weed them out. out yeah yeah and i'm hoping i'm hoping how, so your fiance uh-huh. uh works at buzzfeed yeah and how'd you guys meet tinder really yeah true wow. story when did you meet we met on tinder uh a year ago to the day almost mm-hmm. yeah uh yeah i just i just had decided to get on tinder uh my friend Allie Allie ward she was like get on get on tinder i was going through a miserable time i was had just broken up with my girlfriend uh we were together for almost two years we lived together and it had been a few months and then i went to new york for a hiatus period where i was just like gross i was like what does that mean hooking up with people and like i was like oh and then i would just sit and go that that's not me i can't (laughs) that's not i can't do that I'm going to be alone for a little while. Mm-hmm. So then I came back and then, you know, it was, it was, it was just a matter of like sort of wa- knowing what I needed to look for. And, and instead of dating open mic comics and things like that, I needed to go, you know, I needed someone who has a career on their own. And so you went on Tinder to find that. Apparently <laughs> I was told to try it. So I said, I'll do it for, for one weekend. So I went on and, and uh, Dory and I matched. She was like my first or second match. She was the only person I messaged on there. I don't actually know how Tinder works. So essentially you'll see, you'll see people and they have a profile. Mm-hmm. They can put up like five or six pictures of themselves and they write a little profile that says their age and they get like a byline. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was yours? It was, uh, it was about being from Boston, uh, being employed as a writer, uh, and I think the, one, the thing that I put in there that she decided to message me on was that I was once quoted uh, in the Lowell Sun as a true New Englander. <laughs> so, And what did hers say? Do you remember? Hers, she, I don't remember exactly what it said, but I still had the screenshots. Uh-huh. I just sent them off to our, gra- uh, we have a graphic designer doing our Save the Dates. Oh, yeah. So they're going to do a whole, like, make it look like it was <laughs> Tinder, you know? Oh, that's and say, true. It's a date. Um, so... What did her say? Well, first of all, it said she was 36, which I was way into. I was like, I'm I'm good with not dating like 22-year-olds. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's what you hooked up with when you were being gross? Yeah, for a lot of it, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's what you do on, on, on the internet. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and she was uh, employed. Oh, I looked her, I mean, I looked her up because you could see her name. Mm-hmm. So then I looked her up and she was like the executive editor of BuzzFeed. I was like, oh, that's a decent job. Yeah. Um, and uh, she'd worked at Rolling Stone and... Gawker, all these things. Was she at Observer as well? New York Observer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, so I was like, oh, she's she seems very smart. She seems like she has a career. And uh, we matched. Why don't I message her? So I did. I when you her matched, does that, does that mean... Does it means Tinder? we both said yes oh, to each I other. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So what you can do is swipe left or right. Which you, is the yes or yes no? Yes or no, yeah. Okay. And if you both happen to swipe that way, then it tells you, hey, it's a match. And mm-hmm. then... That opens up the messaging interface of Twitter where you can then message that person that you matched with. Right. So that's what I did. I got to get on there. Yeah. Do <laughs> I mean, it. I'm married, but it sounds fun. If you, yeah, you could totally get on there. <laughs> Put pictures of you and your husband. You'll just be looking for someone to wear a strap on, I'm sure. <laughs> are, go, there, are there couples there are, on there? There are. You, you can get on Thrinder. Thr- that, yeah. That, Is that a real thing? That's a thing, yeah. yeah. 
God, what am I doing? Just wasting my time on. We Twitter. actually reached out to their PR people because we were doing a thing on them on at midnight, and it's Trinder for some oh, reason. Trinder, it's Trinder, even though Trinder is much better name. That's yeah. so stupid. Yeah, yeah. But it's spelled Trinder, but they it's pronounce spelled- it Trinder. Yeah, it's that I it's hate ridiculous. that. It was ridiculous. That would not be my threesome mobile app of choice based just on the pretension <laughs> of the way they pronounce their name. That's like it's not a thimble, it's a timble. <laughs> well, they're British, I think, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. If I remember correctly. I mean, how would I know? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is kind of a mystery to us. Oh, and I'm a mystery that? to myself. Apparently so. Jeff, what do you do? You wander through life recording podcasts? Yeah, I'm just like the happy wanderer, except I have a Zoom recorder with me. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying in terms of, like, for all I know, he is on Trinder. The only reason I know about Trinder is because uh, there was a guest that was just on Crab Feast uh-huh. that was, oh, it was Brad Williams. Okay. He was, he was in San Francisco and talked about Trinder. I can't say it. Yeah. Trinder. And he was thrindering up a storm in San Francisco, and he was telling stories of Thrinder. So oh. everything I know is from podcasts. That's the that's an that interesting aspect of Tinder too. The proximity of it, like you had to be, you, like you can turn it on a radius mm-hmm. of like how far of a web you want to. Right, cast. it's like Waze. You can't really it, do it unless you're right in there. I it guess. is kind of like Waze. And when Dory and I matched, and then we talked very quickly, and then we found out we lived a block and a half from each other. And was that a plus or a minus? Huge plus. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Try dating someone on the west side. No, I, I, I married that person, but only because I was tired of always driving over there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, it was great. And then we, we hit it off. And then it was so, it was so, it was so different from every other relationship I'd ever been in, in the mm-hmm. sense that it was just like, oh, that's how that's supposed to work. <laughs> that you're supposed to really like the person. Uh huh. And not. I- you know, what had it been like of, before? It just seemed. It just seemed before it was. It was the courting mm-hmm. on either side of it, and and this felt like there was like no need playing? for yeah, a little bit of that, like messaging and like, oh my god, should I message this person back at this time or this time or what should I yes, say? Yeah, that stuff. If you find the person, that stuff doesn't exist. I found that to be the case as well. Yeah. So, kids, if you're listening, if you had to do that with whoever you're with, break up with them. You know. I know that you're saying it kind of with a smirk, but I actually think that's not not the break up with them it part. Be but work. I think that's true. It shouldn't be work because people write in all the time with you know wanting advice about yeah. dating and should stuff. Should I blah blah blah? Right. And if you're asking those questions, it's, young gals and fellas, yeah, the answer is no. You shouldn't. But I hate to give that advice entirely. Like across the board, I hate to give the advice that you'll just know when you know, and when it's right, it'll be right. But I do believe that that's kind of the truth. It's like if you're if you're working at it, if you're trying to figure yes. it out, if it's hard, that's probably not the one. Based on the fact that when the right thing happens, it just it's it's not it's not yeah. difficult. A at year all. and four days ago, I would have called you crazy. But yeah. having now been through that kind of thing, right? it's totally correct. It's ridiculous. But see, a little bit, Daniel and I wondered, is that because of our ages and because we'd been through the mill so much that we're like, we don't want to play games anymore? Oh, that's interesting. Is it a function of that that's or is it a function of just when it's right, it's right? I think it, I think it might. I think maybe it's not right until you're, you've been through shit. Yeah, I think that's true maybe as well. Maybe that's it. Although, I mean, my parents got married when they were... 18 and 19 and they're still together doesn't that seem like chance (laughs) i just assume it must be whenever i hear stories like that because i was like an embryo at 18 or 19 yeah accomplished i I couldn't even fathom idiotic having a family yeah it's insane yeah so 
you know, also times are different, but yeah, there was an ease to the relationship with Dory that I had never mm-hmm. in my life experienced. And then it was so like whirlwindy. And then like I, oh, less than a week later, I flew out to New York to, cause she had been out there on business for a week. So I was like, I'll just go to New York. And then she's like, all right. Oh, and then she like got me ticket a ticket on miles and I was like uh, all right <laughs> so I went out there and it was great and there was no sort of weirdness and it's just sort of been uh great ever since mm-hmm. it's all none of that's worn off it's all great I can't wait to get home and see her which is a fun experience to have in life when you can't wait to get home you know yeah sometimes you have the situation Opposite. where you eh, maybe <laughs> I need to go to 7-eleven twice <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's it's fantastic Mm-hmm. She's great. She's How best. soon did you realize, oh, this is the woman that I want to marry? You know, it was, it was, immediately we both were aware of the fact that it was very different. Mm-hmm. And we both talked about it. And then we would talk ourselves out of talking ourselves into the fact that we thought this was different. You know, Wait, it was like, let me catch up so on we'd that. say, we'd say to each other, wow, this is like crazy. I feel this way, blah, blah, blah. She'd say the same thing. And then we'd go, but wait, should we even be talking like this? This is ridiculous. Because it's too We're soon. logical adults. This oh. is re- why are we even uh-huh. like, you know. So there was some of that. Talking ourselves into and out of what we were feeling. Because, and, it, uh, because it seemed too soon. Because it seemed because- illogical. It seemed illogical to meet a girl and then fly out to New York four days later to go see her because I missed her. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. That's just on paper. That's a stupid statement. <laughs> <laughs> So you had you guys had got together and then you yeah we we once we had our first date we then like saw each other every night and then I ended up taking her to the airport that Monday morning before work and then she gave me the keys to her car so I could move it off the street for street parking Uh and it was just interesting there was a level of trust there and right it it just it it worked it was great Mm -hmm. it's still great we our Volvos now live next to each other (laughs) at the house. Right. So you talk yourself out of... Yeah, because you never want to believe that, like... I mean, maybe that's just on well, no, when me as been, a human being. When you've been burned. Yeah. You don't want to be burned again. Right. So you're always a little... You're a little gun-shy in, mm-hmm. in, in any declarative, declarative, declarative statements. You're just like, oh, maybe... Uh, but with her, it was so... It was so great. It was so quick, and it just felt correct. And I can see myself doing that forever just mm-hmm. you know it just works it's funny with my husband early on i would say to him there's something i want to say to you but i'm not going to say it yet because it's ridiculous to say it this early and he'd be <laughs> like i think i know what it is and i feel the same <laughs> ah. and we would do we did that for a while just because it's like once you say it yeah i have herpes then yeah. it's <laughs> then everyone kidding. yeah, yeah no <laughs> i don't know i think i was just afraid like once I say I love you, then it's how long had it been between that, you meeting? And I wish I could remember how. I wish I could remember how early that was. I mean, I feel like maybe that was in the first month or something. Yeah, for us it was like a month and a half. Yeah, and I think, and then he went a went away for business. Butch just meant having to stay in a hotel in Santa Monica or something, but like I didn't see him. <laughs> and then he came back, and I remember he's like, you know, I realized something while I was there. I love you. And I went, Oh, (laughs) but that was, I think that was like July. I want to say that was July and we started really dating in May. So, I mean, it was really soon. Yeah. Yeah, We were, you know, started dating beginning of April Mm -hmm. and then we were saying, I love you in the middle of May. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up in Lowell. Yeah. 
And then uh, where did you go to college? Uh, I went to a variety of colleges, <laughs> a, a vast variety of colleges, probably five colleges. Wow. Never finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kept floating through. I was like, oh, this isn't for me. This isn't for me. Ended up at the... Uh, I ended up at the Art Institute, which is that for-profit college you see commercials uh, during Jerry Springer. Sure. Go to AI. Uh, but I didn't end up there on purpose. It At the time, it was Massachusetts Communications College, mm-hmm. and then they got bought, and then it turned into, all of a sudden, I was enrolled at AI, <laughs> and then my tuition went way up, and I think I still owe them about $15,000. Uh, yeah, and while I was there, I started, uh, I wanted to be a comedy writer forever. That was all I ever wanted to do since like sixth grade. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'd read uh, Jerry Seinfeld's sign language. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is this is what I want to do. I want to write. And I wanted to be a showrunner. Like that was something I decided I wanted to do early on. What was your exposure to showrunners? It was, you know, it came later. It came in my like teens where I sort of started reading about Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld and then when I was in college, Arrested Development came out and then I became fascinated with Mitch Hurwitz's story of Mm -hmm. starting as a runner on Golden Girls (laughs) and then ending up as the story editor of Golden Girls and an EP. Uh, I just became fascinated with that whole thing. Uh, And I really, I just, then I started reading about it and this whole thing. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be a comedy writer more so, I mean, it was just like, there was this PBS special that was airing constantly when I was like 10 and it was about the... uh, your show of shows writer's room and it was like you know woody allen and sid caesar and carl reiner and mel brooks and it was just amazing and that and then i started talking to my mother i was like i think i want to do this i want to be a comedian i want to write comedy i need to be jewish so i asked her if i could (laughs) i did i asked her if i could convert really yeah she seemed sort of on board with it Uh, (laughs) what were you raised catholic Mm -hmm. so uh you know, she got me the books and I was like trying to figure this out. You really so, felt like you needed to convert to be a comedy I thought, writer? I thought that's what I did. I thought, that's <laughs> the, I thought that was the, those were the steps mm-hmm. in becoming a comedy writer. That's so funny. Step one, be Jewish. People would agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. My former employer being one of them probably. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Although I realized that we only have one Jew in the writer's room at, at midnight. Oh, there's two. Which is, I feel like it's a very low Don't percentage. Don't let it get anymore. Yeah. It's a very low percentage. <laughs> I feel like we need more in there. Right. So well, maybe I'll convert finally. <laughs> Dory's Jewish. Well, I'll make the adjustment. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wanted to be a writer. So I had to, at, at the school I was at in college, they only had a film writing program. But I wanted to write TV. So I sort of had the professor readjust the curriculum specifically for me to allow for me to write spec scripts of half hour shows and uh cold opens of things like i think one of the assignments i handed in was a cold open for scrubs (laughs) 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 uh and uh it was great he was he was very he was very willing to let me do that and i did that for a little while and then what happened was i just sort of focused on his class and started dropping all my other classes and then i fell below what is called the incremental completion rate. So I was a full-time student, but I dropped to like six credits or something like that. So they uh, expelled me from school. Was that a bummer? At the time it was. At the time it was. And I had written a letter to the dean to be reinstated and uh, I never sent the letter. Why? I don't know. I just, it's still on my computer. Because like, <laughs> I've, you know, my hard drives have just transferred, transferred, yeah. transferred. So it's still sitting on my computer. I found it 
maybe a year ago. Weird. Uh, so then at that point, I just went and worked. Was it? What was the letter like? Were you? I was like, oh, I, here's why I should be reinstated. This mm-hmm. is what was happening in my life at the time, and this is why I kept dropping classes and blah 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 blah. blah. Half of it was bullshit. Half of it was real. Right. It but was, you didn't send it. I never sent it. So you do you. Do you think you must not have really wanted to be reinstated that Absolutely. bad? Absolutely. Okay. I think I figured out, oh, I got the hang of this. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna go. I don't need to. Yeah. It was funny because like all the things that I was doing there, I was in a, what was my degree? It was media, digital media production, which, so it's funny because everything I did at that school and everything I learned at that school I ended up doing in real life, mm. which was like uh, live multi-camera, uh, control room stuff, directing, uh writing producing uh doing shoots all this stuff that i ended up eventually using because when i did attack of the show it was live and it was you know the control room was just like our school's control room it was Mm -hmm. weird that i was like oh i kind of used some of that stuff you were hosting attack of the show yeah but were you doing a lot of? i was a senior segment producer oh on attack before Uh, i got pulled onto the camera gotcha yeah so that was it was uh it was an interesting sort of trajectory that my career took after I started working at Apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us that. That's crazy. <laughs> uh well I moved out here. I'd so I worked at a in Massachusetts I worked at a funeral home and Doing an ice what? cream store. Uh, everything. I was a funeral assistant. Mm. So did I you did. deal with bodies? Sure did, yeah. Lots of them. What was that like? It was weird at first, but you very quickly become desensitized to the whole thing. Like, it probably takes about a week or so when you just realize, oh, these are just, it's just meat. You just think of bodies as meat Mm -hmm. and you're fine. It's really crazy. It's crazy. Like, I'm so desensitized to death at this point. Still, you think you are? Yeah. How long did you work there? I worked there for four years. Mm -hmm. So it really, you know. Did you see young people? Yeah. And that even was just young meat? It's always, you know, young meat. It's always harder. It's always harder when you see a young person. Yeah. Especially, like, we had a couple kids that committed suicide Ugh. and it was just like God. that's really and it wasn't awful. so much hard it wasn't hard dealing with the bodies so much as it was just dealing with the family and what yeah. they'd just been through um but the whole thing about working at the funeral home is like you you're, you're around death constantly and i was working there with like my two best friends and because it's their family business and uh we had a incredibly great sense of humor about the whole thing mm-hmm. so while we were dealing with this very serious stuff we were always cracking jokes behind the church or whatever and it really helped to sort of not deal with the somberness of death constantly right. we were always like we're still we're just in our early 20s and we were just dummies dummies <laughs> in our early 20s and now they run two funeral homes so now do you have a lot of ideas about how you want your funeral to be uh, if you ever expire, I I might I think I have pre arrangements at McDonough's. I think my funeral is already all set. Really? Yeah. W- when did this happen? Is that part of? No, part when of your you're paperwork? there, you sort of figure out what you want. You know, <laughs> I want to. You know, I want the this copper uh, casket. I then they had this Red Sox casket. I thought about getting just for the ridiculousness of mm-hmm. being buried in a Red Sox casket. Uh, you know, I want I, I want a certain kind of vault. I don't want the cheapest vault. In Massachusetts, what happens What's is... What's a vault? Uh, you don't put the casket directly in the grave. Okay. So you dig the grave and then a giant container, which is called the vault, that goes into the ground. Like a grave liner. Yeah, like a grave liner. It's, uh, you know, the, the cheap ones are cement and then they have nicer ones up from there. I don't want the cheapest one. I don't and want what's the, the purpose one. of it? Uh, it's essentially just from... It's... I think... 
theoretically it's a it's a biohazard situation where uh, they don't want the water table in Massachusetts is certainly pretty high, so they don't want it to like yeah. seep everywhere. You know what I mean? Right. So everything goes into vaults. Uh, yeah, I want I want a medium funeral, not a not a crazy funeral. I'd mm-hmm. like a long procession, and if they can get a police escort, I'd like that too. <laughs> but yeah, so I did that, and then uh, my. One of my best friends from growing up, Heath, he was moving out here uh, with his buddy and his buddy fell out and then he was talking to me about it. Like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do for a roommate now, blah, blah, blah. And then I just kind of on a whim was like, you know what? I'll go. I'll move out to LA with you. Was it something that you, I mean, it must've been something you'd considered before. Well, my right? plan was to move to New York first. Oh, was, that, right. That was the plan. Right, because you were Jewish. Yeah. I wanted to move to New York. <laughs> I wanted to go to the delis and do all that fun stuff. Uh yeah, so my plan was originally to move to New York, and that just never sort of happened. Uh, and then he was moving out to L.A., and I said, sure, I'll give it five years. That was my plan. How old were you at this point? I came out in 2007. I was 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, was that, is that right? 24? How old was I? I was born in 83. Someone do some math. You can't do math when people 24. are that young. I was 24. <laughs> I only do old people math. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, yeah, I moved out here when I was 24 years old. That, that seems wrong, but I guess it's right. Uh, and You feel like you were younger or older? I, felt, I feel like I was younger. It mm-hmm. feels to me like I was younger. It really does. Yes, this is like I have, sort of stopping me in my tracks right now. I have it, a similar thing with I feel like I was in my early 20s when I moved to New York, but I was actually 25. Yeah. Wow. It's weird. You sort of, I mean, I guess maturity-wise in your brain, I suppose, you. I was, you know, 22, but right. I was apparently 24. A lot <laughs> happened in those two years, guys. Uh, so I moved out here, and we ended up moving to Pasadena. Mm, the center of it all. Because it looks, on a map to a kid in Massachusetts, it looks like it's super close to Hollywood. Uh-huh. You have no problem. I don't know why you need to be in Hollywood. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing happens here. <laughs> Nothing happens yeah. inside in the-, the city of Hollywood. Limits of Hollywood. Right, no, Except, I mean, real, Paramount's the, the there. Boondocks. That's it. Uh, but uh, so we moved to Pasadena, and while we were there, I sort of had to go about getting a job. So Did your friend have work lined up? He was going to be, he had a summer internship uh, at this production company. He was going to be, he was going to go back there for work, but he also had to find a new job because there was too much interim time between that job opening up and him uh, and us moving there. So he ended up working at Universal Studios at the Back to the Future ride, which we thought was the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I set about trying to find a job. So my plan was either go to a Starbucks, because <laughs> they had health insurance for part-time, or go to the Apple store. And 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 both of the reasoning between that was I'm bound to I'm bound to meet somebody famous that's in the business that i can befriend Mm -hmm. and that should work out just fine it either place yeah i thought i thought where do you i'm like hey i need i watch studio 60 uh matt alby's got a mac (laughs) drinks starbucks this is the perfect person to emulate (laughs) so i decided to i decided to come out and uh and 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 get a job either places and i applied at both the pasadena app the pasadena starbucks was gonna hire me owned by magic johnson uh, they were going to hire me, and then I got a call from Apple. They were going to hire me. Did you have computer knowledge? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was in like, when I was in high school, I was in something called the Computer Club. 
which is sounds super cool it was really the coolest thing yeah. ever it was just essentially just doing free labor for the school like keeping their network up and all that stuff mm-hmm. my dad you know worked at hewlett packard so I was, oh right i had all that sort of background taking apart stuff put it back together um and i had a mac since i had a mac in college i was the only guy with a mac in college and everybody made fun of me i remember I'm surprised when they, being from a hewlett packard family you had a mac I had a Mac because I knew that I wanted to go into uh, film and TV and I wanted to edit on Final Cut Pro. Mm-hmm. That's why I got a Mac. And then when I went to college, I remember when the iPod announcement, the first, the iPod, the essentially the right. invention of the iPod, uh, everyone was like making fun of me for having a Mac. <laughs> and it's so strange now that when you see pictures of lecture rooms now, it's completely lined with Macs. Yeah. But I got made fun of for having one. But So I had one since... <laughs> Early 2000s, I'd had a Mac, so I'd had a long run of them. So I figured I, I can go sell these. I use the product. I know what's going on there. And the Apple store was going to hire me, but the Pasadena one wasn't hiring. So they were like, you can go to the Grove. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> so I went there, and I was there until 2012. I was at the Grove for a long time, for four. Wow. Four, almost five years I was at the Grove. Um, you saw all the fake snow. For, All the fake for snow. listeners who aren't in LA, the oh. Grove has fake snow around Christmas time. That is made of soap. Is that what it's made yeah. of? Yeah, it's soap bubbles that get blown out. And I'll tell you, it's beautiful every time. I still <laughs> like it. It still I, looks I like. I love stuff like if that. If you yeah. keep your field of vision, not looking up at the shootouts <laughs> spouts of soap, it looks like it's snowing, and right. that's very heartwarming for someone from back east. You know, because there's no snow out here. Right. Um. So yeah, I worked there. And then I, you know, started part-time, and then I went full-time, and then I became a genius, which is a silly statement, but <laughs> I did. I became a certified genius, which is fun. They send you up to Apple Corporate. You go take the classes up there. You run into Steve Jobs. Is that Jobs. in, like, Petaluma or something? Uh, Cupertino. Mm. Uh, and I did that, and then I came back. I met Hardwick while I was working there. Mm-hmm. I met... Uh, who else did I meet? People like... I'm still friendly with a shit ton of people like... I met Hardwick there, Ackerman there. Uh, Doug would always come in, Doug Benson. Um, not and then, Doug I, then it just sort of no, not Doug. It was just sort of it just sort of became the thing because I was always going to shows at the UCB and stuff like that, uh, and I was doing open mics, and it just sort of turned into the thing where like I became all the comics Apple. They're guy. genius. Yeah, so everyone would come in and. We'd shoot the shit for like two hours. I wouldn't really be helping them. Now, when you saw them walk in, were you like, ooh, I got to befriend them? No. Well, it was no. No, I tried not. There were people like that would come in that like, for some reason, the person I was most nervous and never even talked to was Scott Thompson. (laughs) Kids in the hall. Yeah. I just, for some reason, could not approach him. Yeah, that's funny. It was so weird. Uh, But no, everybody... What had happened was I'd seen them outside of school, meaning like I'd seen them at the UCB and I'd sort of been, I was a guy that was always there. I was constantly, mm-hmm. constantly, two, three times a week I'd be at the UCB. Um, and so they would recognize me outside of the Apple store. And then when I was in the Apple store, it was a lot easier for me to go up and say, oh, hey, how's it going? And then uh, help them out. And then Hardwick, yeah, Hardwick, I met Hardwick there. And... uh we we got along really well and and became friends and then eventually he started a podcast that I told him to start and 
here I am. So you became friends with him, like you started hanging out with him outside. Yeah, like of we would go Apple to lunch. Store? Yeah, and he well, he came in a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. So did he invite you to lunch first, or did you invite him? He invited me to lunch. Yeah, uh, and we went to Cantor's. That was the first place. It was close to the Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, was it just like, hey man, we should get lunch? Yeah. Actually, that's almost exact. That's the sound. That was a good Chris impression. Thank you. <laughs> really good. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we just, we became friends and then we sort of stayed in touch forever. And then like when... Uh, I didn't realize you told him to start a podcast. I had been telling him for a long time mm-hmm. to start a podcast. I had been telling him forever. Uh, but when... Uh, he's the one who told me to go do Jimmy Dore and Todd Glass's podcast. He was like, oh, they're great guys. You'll learn a lot. Go go do that so i did that on his advice and then eventually he had a show that he thought was going to go at the uh at, at e and then it didn't go and i was drafting an email to him at the time just to see how he was doing whatever and i didn't know anything about the show not going or anything like that but as i was writing to him he popped in my inbox saying hey i'm gonna start a podcast do you want to be on it slash help produce it and i was like Yes, that's sort of exactly I was emailing you to <laughs> talk anyway. Might as well do that. Um, yeah, and then we started the Nerdist podcast in 2000 and something. 2010. You've been on it since 2010. So, yeah, yeah, that's exactly when it started. And when did, how did, when did Jonah get involved? Jonah was there. Jonah had been writing on Chris's failed show and was writing on What Web show Soup. was that? It was going to be a relaunch of the Daily 10 okay. on E at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, yeah, and then Chris was like, uh, I'll bring in this other comic, Jonah, who I had known Jonah again from the UCB, from like Death Ray and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, we all sort of got together and, and it kind of gelled very quickly and, and worked and people responded to it. And, and it's, we're 670 episodes into it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so many. <laughs> <laughs> it's so many episodes. Uh yeah, and as you know, as I started, uh, I was doing that podcast for a couple of years while I was still working at the Apple Store, mm-hmm. which was odd because I'd be at the top of the iTunes charts while I was fixing iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that became a weird sort of situation. Our, you know, we even did our BBC America show. We did a pilot that aired, and while that aired, I was still at the Genius Bar, <laughs> I was still there, and then uh, you know. Vinny Rutherford, the executive producer of Attack of the Show, I had worked with his wife, Kristen. Her and I wrote the, the Nerdist pilot. And uh, Vinny and Kristen came in to get their iMac fixed. And while I was fixing his iMac, he was like, hey, our senior, we have a senior segment producer job open. Um, he's the guy that does the gadget reviews. Do you want to Do you want to take that job? And I was like, yeah <laughs> yeah i don't want to be at the apple store anymore that sounds great mm-hmm. i'll go work in television <laughs> i'll go do the thing i wanted to do uh and so yeah i went over there for an interview and then they hired me and all of a sudden i was making an hour of live television four days a week 50 weeks a year it was uh attack the show was the best it was we hated it while it was happening mm-hmm. and who was hosting at that time kevin Pereira and uh Candace, Candace Bailey. Mm-hmm. Olivia had just left a fish. Well, she'd actually never officially left. <laughs> she might still be yeah, there. She might even still be the there. Show and the, the channel's aren't. gone. <laughs> yeah. She might still be there. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So it was Kevin and Candace, and I came on. And originally, I was writing 
I love Kevin, by the way. Kevin's great. I like Candace. I met Candace once, but Candace is Kevin. super sweet. Uh, Kevin's fantastic. Super quick. I, I loved. I loved working with that guy. I loved doing the gadget reviews with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for a while I was writing. Hardwick was was on a contract there to come in and do gadget prawn whenever you know once or twice a week or something like that. So I was writing his gadget reviews for him, and then his contract expired and they didn't renew it or whatever. And then they needed someone to come in and do the gadget reviews, so they just put me on. So I did that, and then eventually, after Kevin left, we had to cycle through a bunch of guest hosts, and I was one of the people that was like given the reins of the show for a little while, and I got to host it. Was that weird all of a sudden being on camera? Well, you'd done stand up and stuff. So yeah, I did stand up. So it was not, yeah, it wasn't that. The first, actually, the first time I was on camera for the show was the day Steve Jobs died mm. because they needed someone to talk somewhat knowledgeably about Steve Jobs. So again, the Apple background right. worked there. Uh, and then, yeah, it was shortly after that. The next thing I did was the sketch we did. It was called. Uh, hobo or homeless and i played a scientist who had invented a satellite that was able to uh zoom in super close on hobos and ho- uh, uh hobos or hipster hipster okay, or hobo. i was gonna say what's the difference hobos between hobo homeless. and homeless well a hobo <laughs> carries his bindle right and a homeless person just bothers me <laughs> uh so yeah a hipster or homeless and uh we played that dumb game and i had a lab coat lab coat matt that was the name of the character real creative over there <laughs> a lot of fun uh and that was that was the first time I was on without someone dying. So mm-hmm. that worked out. And then, yeah, I did gadget reviews for the rest of the show's run. And then at midnight, have you been there since the beginning? Yeah, been there since the pilot. Been there for a long, long time, almost two years now mm-hmm. of my life has been spent writing that show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, I asked the listeners on Twitter if they have some questions for you. And sometimes when I do it, the first question is, yeah, who is so-and-so? And I'm always like, don't do that. Because, for example, Casey Wilson is tagged in this. And she's going to bring it up on the show. <laughs> but with you, no one said that. And there were a ton of questions that came in. Well, one in. guy did ask if my uncle ever put my, his tongue in my butthole. Oh, yeah, I that saw that. That was a guy that asked that. Yeah. And the answer to so, that question, no. Never happened. So let's see. I will ask some of these questions. But first, let's play Topic Sombrero. Because that's the song we play when we do stuff like this. It's the Topic, Topic Sombrero. We asked for topics and you sent them in. It's the Topic, Topic Sombrero. Now pick the topic and let's begin. It's the Topic Sombrero. That's the song we play because we don't have a more specifically appropriate that's, song. No, that's great. My uh, mother loves Barry Manilow <laughs> to the point where her email address is like a the name of a Barry Manilow song. Which one? I can't say my mother's email oh, address. Oh, yeah, you're Sorry. right. Sorry. Okay. Um, Derek J says, mm. oh, what does Dory think of Matt's guitar hoarding? Oh, that's a great question. She's uh, more understanding of it than I thought she would be. How many do you have? 32 right now wow yeah what's your favorite uh well right now is she got me an engagement guitar when i got her a ring oh uh and it's that one it's a it's a 1970 uh four gibson es 335 it's left-handed that's the semi-hollow body right yeah correct uh and it's 
cherry red. It's gorgeous. It's got the old uh, maestro. The Bigs- It's not a Bigsby. It's a maestro vibrato. Mm-hmm. It's this shitty, shitty vibrato that Gibson made. <laughs> and uh, it just... But I say it's shitty, but it looks so much better. I think it looks so much better than Bigsby. And it plays great for being 40 years old. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's an amazing guitar. And what's funny about that guitar is I had... Went to go... I contacted the guy on eBay about buying it. He pulled it off eBay. And then I was like, oh, fuck. I gotta... When I want to look at this again, I have to go find the email of this. And then I checked the email. And the first time I had watched this guitar's auction was the day Dorian and I met. <laughs> and then that Aww. ended up being the guitar that she bought me for our engagement. So that's, that's, that's so my sweet. favorite one, guys. Aww. Do you have a bunch of amps, too? No, I only have two amps. I always rotate out amps. I always get rid of them and get new ones. Hmm. It's not like... Right now, I'm using a 68 Silverface uh, Fender Deluxe Reverb, which sounds amazing. It's a great it's a great amp, kids. Go get one. You can, there's a couple over right now at, uh, at uh, the place in Santa Monica. There's two... True Tone? True Tone. True Tone has a couple. Mm. Get them. I used to play in a band... And I still have my guitar and my amp. My amp is sitting in my parents' garage, along with my drums as well. And I'm realizing I really should have sold that amp because I'd no, I do not need a 100-watt tube amp ever. No one again. does. No, I didn't need it at the time. No. Um, I liked it, but I definitely didn't need it. But I could probably get like 900 bucks for that. Why am I just what letting was it sit what there? Was it? Riviera? Uh-huh. Yeah. But the yeah. problem is, I bought it on the recommendation of a friend, uh-huh. uh, Michael Rosas, who's uh-huh. been on my podcast, a really good musician. He recommended it. I bought it. If anyone, I feel like if I try to sell it on eBay or Craigslist or anything, someone's going to have questions about it, and I'm not going to know any of the answers. <laughs> I think, I think it's it's. I'll help you answer the questions. Okay. I just need to see the tubes and make sure everything's, you know, what it should be, and then all right, you can sell it. I'll bring it Sell up it. here, and then I'll be asking you questions. And make it make it lo- local pickup only. Yes. That's the way to do it. I love it. Guys, I love eBay. I really love I've eBay. I've never sold anything on eBay. I bought stuff, but I've, I've never sold, sold anything. I've sold two things on eBay in my life, both guitars. The Sidori, so when Dory and I uh, got together, she instated a one-in, one-out rule for the guitars. Oh, wow. How'd you feel about that? Uh, I, well, when I met her, I had 26. Now I have 32. So that rule, <laughs> has been bent <laughs> the rule bit. is bent a little bit, but I have gotten rid of a bunch. What's funny is if you go, if anybody out here lives in LA that's listening to this, if you go into the Sam Ash on Hollywood Boulevard, they have a little tiny lefty wall on the, on the back left. Uh, three or four of those are mine that I just, I keep trading them into Sam Ash. They have, I didn't know they do trade-ins. They do I mean, trade-ins. I guess I Scott, go did. talk to Scotty at Sam Ash <laughs> in Hollywood. He's in the acoustic room right now. Sometimes he's up there at, in the horn section. Okay. Because now they do this thing called Horns of Distinction, <laughs> which is where the, the like $14,000 saxophones go. Horns of Distinction. Horns of Distinction. Sam wow. Ash is fantastic. But they have... I'm a lefty, guys. Here's my problem. Uh, fuck Guitar Center. Mm. Uh, they even if you weren't a lefty, I, I might say that. Well, unless they want to advertise. I Guitar Center, if you're welcome to advertise for any episode, I'm not on. But uh, if you're on, I, they constantly have the same three shitty left-handed guitars in every Guitar Center I go into. Even the one in Times Square had uh, a total of one left-handed guitar. Their flagship 
It's like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, who's lefty? I was like, Jimi Hendrix, Paul McCartney, Kurt Cobain. I don't know. Those are three people I can list. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Fuck them. It's really annoying. And I, you know, part of them mad at me because I had the option when I was a kid to play righty, but I mm-hmm. insisted on playing to my natural tendency of being left-handed. And that, I, I don't know. Part of me thinks if I had played right-handed, I wouldn't have so many guitars. Because I have the whole thing of like, I have to save you. I have to take you into my home and love you because no one's going to buy you. Oh, or the, the, you're never saving the you broken again. toys, right? Which was great. But my, one of my so you might own all the left-handed guitars in the world. Well, I'll tell you right now, we there's three of us in L.A. that often circulate each other's guitars: Elliot Eastman from the Cars, mm-hmm. John McEnroe, and myself. We are the three big lefty buyers in Los Angeles, and sometimes <laughs> the guy from Los Lobos. <laughs> but uh, we always end up buying each other's guitars from the same stores over and over again. It's a vicious, sick cycle. Where do you keep them all? My office mm. at the house. Do you have them in cases, or are they on They're display? all racked. They're racked and ready to go. If I need it, it's there. Do you? How often do you need a guitar in a pinch? I have every day. I play every day. Do but do you have like thirty two cases sitting somewhere in a shed that I bought specifically to house cases, <laughs> which I turned into a workshop. Uh, but it's great. And then uh, my friend Kyle, who works on the Nerds podcast, uh, his brother is a left handed guitar playing musician. And one day I had his brother come over and gave I gave him four guitars. That's nice. Because I wished, like, if I was, I wish someone would have done that to me. Yeah. So I'm just gonna pay it forward, even though it was never paid to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start the cycle mm-hmm. of giving, guys. That's sweet. I like it. If I'm not using it, someone can. Yeah. That's why I saved it. It's nice. Thank you. All right, John Arminio says, "What are the challenges and rewards to writing on at midnight that you wouldn't encounter on other shows?" Now I have to tell you, mm. I almost didn't choose this one because I'm like, that is a hard not particularly fun question and then i thought no i'm curious yeah okay so here's the way at midnight works we get in it's a so one of the fun parts about it is it's on four nights a week so we write a lot of stuff day of and what's nice about that is as a comedy writer to write a joke and then see it on television that night Mm -hmm. that's a fun rewarding thing um the challenge there's a couple challenges that we're that I feel like we're running into right now. Since we've been on now for almost two years, we're, it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. The, we're finding that the internet operates cyclically. So a picture mm, that might trend yes. a year ago in October for some reason will come back up this October. And it'll be huge on the internet because no one has any memory on the internet. Except for the occasional Reddit posters who are like, I saw this a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're running into is... You know, and especially too with the hashtag wars, because all of our hashtags, I mean, guys, there's, I don't know how many fucking more we can pull out. <laughs> We've done almost 200 and some, I don't right. know. And, and so when I used to do news on the Adam Carolla show, it's so interesting. People would send me a story and I'd be like, I did this last year. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Because they just, yeah. it just might pop up on Reddit again right. of this bear that fell through the roof at a party in Alaska that ate all the cake. I've seen <laughs> that story yeah. three times. Yeah. We've done something about it once. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it, it gets to be, it's interesting. And the whole thing with the hashtag wars is we try to do those somewhat topically. So mm-hmm. if so if something's coming up, like if it's the opening day of baseball, we might do a baseball, make a movie baseball or something like that. And then you have to look. And we have, in our writer's room, we have a 
giant corkboard that has little three by five index cards with every individual hashtag we've ever done, along with the like every hashtag war you mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. along with the number of um, tweets it got. Oh wow! So what we do, what's so funny is like if if say a new writer comes into the cycle. They'll pitch and pitch and pitch, and then we'll just go over and we'll be like, nope, did it, did it, <laughs> did it, did it. Uh, and But it also helps us in the sense of like we're aware of how often we're repeating ourselves. Well, the one time, I think the snake ate the tail once when we just sort of in the room gave up and we we came up with the hashtag, add a pun, ruin a pun. <laughs> <laughs> and we put it on the air and it did like 29,000 and we're like, oh, it wasn't great, but you know what? It felt really good in the room. Had a pun, ruin Add a pun. Had a pun, ruin a pun. Because <laughs> it's all, it's just puns. What's been the most popular, what's the, what got the most tweets? Here, okay. So here's this new thing I've, I, we figured out in the room. Twitter's not the brightest. Mm. So what you can do, and this is what I call, I call tricking Atlanta. Because <laughs> Atlanta's I'm a laughing, heavy. I don't know why. Okay, so... I say tricking Atlanta because Atlanta has such a ridiculous... If you look at the algorithms of Twitter, the number of people in Atlanta that are using Twitter, it's insane. Mm-hmm. So, Like more people than even live there. Yeah. So what you have to do is when we say tricking Atlanta, we just mean tricking the average Twitter user into playing a hashtag war that they have no idea has anything to do with our show. So the thing that you need to do... So here's the way you... Here's, the, how, you, here's how we game the system now. We just turn it into... We'll just make a hashtag blah, blah, blah in five words. So my ex, it, my ex in five words was mm-hmm. one we did like oh, two weeks ago. Yes. Which, you know, someone will tweet it and tag at midnight and then someone will see it, not realize what at midnight is and just start using that hashtag. And then you end up with all of these people that sometimes they'll say my ex in five words and they'll be like, uh, she was a great love or uh, you know it's some like some ridiculous no humor to it whatsoever and they you realize just do they it. have no idea yeah, yeah they have no idea but they're still we don't care right because the comedy central marketing department doesn't care they just want to know how many people are using the hashtag that we created uh-huh so there's the the joking one i've been trying to and look for this america it might happen soon but the joking one that i try to push every day is my best friends are <laughs> <laughs> And then it'd just be like, just Ken, be like Kevin, Dave, and Steve. And I, my best friends are Dave and Mary. <laughs> so that's sort of the fun of it right now for us is like, is taking that whole different approach to it where it's not, you know, uh, may, uh, lesser action movies or something right. you know, like that. Now yeah. we're sort of like, but, and that's fun for us too, to sort of go, to be given the restriction of uh, five words or three words or whatever and, and make it, make it something. But, not just something that our audience can understand and enjoy, but something that people don't even realize they're enjoying from us. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, those do like 150,000 tweets. It's insane. But now does this actually help out the show or I don't only know. in a really roundabout I way? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if Comedy Central Marketing is listening, yes, it helps immensely. We do a great <laughs> job with that. All right. Brennan and his beard set. Oh, we already says which one of your guitars is your favorite and why we already yeah, know that. We already just uh, that. Let's see. Oh, Dory wants to know what's for dinner. That's a great question, honey. Probably Mendocino Farms. Oh, I we mean, go there. You know, the walkable. thing about Mendocino Farms, again, for people all around the country and even world who are listening, the thing about Mendocino Farms is the free samples. 
Oh, really? You, you, we never partake. You don't? No. They just they just give them away. Yeah. They're always like, do you want to try our salads? And they want, they don't, there's no pressure to buy them. There is no pressure to buy. You're correct. They'll even, but that's the thing. They'll even say, just want to try them even if you're not interested. Maybe they don't put it that way, but they made it very clear that like they enjoy giving samples of their little salads. You know, the Mendocino game changer for us was when we discovered that for a dollar extra, you can have any sandwich as a salad. What? Yeah. Because yeah. I go there with my husband, uh-huh. he orders whatever he orders. I never even order anything, uh-huh. but then I'll have like a tiny little salad, like the little salad oh, samples. You'll just, wow. Yeah, I just go there for sampling. That's, that's and they don't, they love it. Yeah, I they don't even mind it. it. I mean, I would feel shame somewhere else, but yeah. Mendocino's really does. They're pushing their potato salad. That's and what their I'm saying. Quinoa, corn, whatever the fuck. Not, do you have a nut allergy? Nope. Okay, Great. then, because this has anything. almonds in it. I'm like, I just told you I don't have a nut allergy, yeah, though. Yeah, but they wanted you to know why. They were yeah, wondering. exactly. They didn't want to pry for any... They just needed right. to know for a specific reason as to not kill you. So I don't even know about... Yeah, you can turn this. any sandwich into a salad. It's amazing. What do they do? Just put the toppings on lettuce? Yeah. I mean, put the sandwich yeah. filling on So if lettuce? you want the pork banh mi, which is delicious, you know, maybe you don't want that, all that bread. Turns right. into sugar, guys. You yeah. can't have that all the time. Have them throw it on a bed of greens. Well, the funny thing is that that's got to be the most fattening, unhealthy salad. Oh, no I matter assume what, it would be. Yeah, because all their sandwiches are like pesto with extra cheese. Yeah, but they throw a lot of that stuff on the side. My favorite sandwich there is the sandwich study of heat. What is that? It's a great name. Yeah, for a turkey sandwich that comes with hot salsa. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's really spectacular. Um. All right. They also have a sophisticated chicken salad. What's in that? <laughs> it's crushed like, up eyeglasses. It's prosciutto mm-hmm. and chicken and uh, some sort of uh, Italian soft cheese. I think that sort of Daniel gets something like that, except it's not called the sophisticated chicken salad, ch- chicken sandwich, because I would know that. It's like a, I think it's initials. Is it a BP something something or, or oh, no? I maybe know. it's not. I know what you're talking. I forget. About. I've never ordered it. He always just gets it on whatever roll they recommend. And I'm like, really? You're not going to push the envelope here? Well, for a while there, they had pretzel ro- rolls, which they looked amazing. Yeah. Guys, I don't eat bread, so it was really hard. You don't eat bread? No. That's, that's, it's wise to not eat bread. Yeah. Yeah. When did you give f- it up? Probably when I was 400 and some odd pounds. I was like, I should probably stop with the bread. You were 400 and something pounds? I was four, my, high, my heaviest, I was 460 pounds. Wow. Yeah. When was that? 2003 mm-hmm. that was my heaviest and then when i when i met my trainer i was three oh god it must have been like 315 320 how had you lost that first 115 <laughs> <laughs> no more than that yeah well that was i did i got gastric bypass oh and then i ate through it wow which you can do mm-hmm, i've heard of that yeah uh and then i went back up to like I don't even know what I was at the heaviest of going back up. I never got back up to 460. What were you at your lowest after the gastric bypass? Probably 325, 330, something like that. Were, were you stoked to have lost all that weight or did you wish you I was you had super lost? stoked. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to, but you know, going from that to that, going from 460 to anything lower is great. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to do. Uh, but then there came a point where I just wasn't, paying any attention to anything and i just was eating whatever i wanted and i thought that if you get gastric did you have the band no. or so sorry can you explain what you they actually do so they will they take your i believe if i remember correctly 
And I was very young when I got it, so I probably didn't pay as much How attention as you? I should have. I was 20. Mm-hmm. 20. Um, they take your stomach. They staple it to about the size of an egg. Mm-hmm. And then they take your uh, intestine and connect it up to the top part of the stomach. So what that does is, A, you get full super fast. Mm-hmm. And B, what it they discovered it as a... They accidentally discovered this surgery when trying to help patients with stomach cancer because they mm-hmm. had to cut off parts of the stomach and so on and so forth. And it's a cure for acid reflux because the acid part of your stomach is completely gone. It's cut off. Right. Uh, but I, at some point, had been able to... Because your stomach expands. It stretches. That's why... Right. Oh. That's why uh, so they when can you eat 400 hot dogs on 4th of July. It just, so when you start expand. when you started gaining again, it was because your stomach had, had expanded. I, as far as I can tell. And right. I never went to a doctor to find out... Because I thought that my understanding is that after, if you eat too much after the surgery, you get really sick, right? You would, yeah. And you power through that. Keep eating. (laughs) You just power through, put your head down and go. Uh, So, yeah, for that, and that, it seemed to work for like two years. And then I forget, actually, I forget what I got down to at my lowest. I never really, I don't think I ever got below 300 pounds Mm -hmm. at any point on that surgery. So then I ate through it and essentially completely nullified it because I can eat. I could eat anybody under the table still. Mm-hmm. But uh, then I started doing, there's this guy, Tim Ferriss, who wrote 4-Hour yeah. Work Week. He wrote 4-Hour Body. So I read that, which was an immense help. That was the sort of the initial sort of jump start I needed to sort of fo- find a diet I could follow that was good. And uh, and then I eventually started seeing Hardwick's personal trainer, Tom, uh, two Comic-Cons ago. That's how I gauge life, guys. <laughs> Two Comic-Cons ago, I started seeing Tom. Because uh, I'd come back from London, and I got on the scale, and I think I was like 328. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. This is going way the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So I started seeing Tom, and, and I've been with him for almost, it'll be two years in June. Uh, and I'm just in such a better place. Just physically, I'm... Like I'm in like 230 pounds and a lot of it's muscle, mm-hmm. rest of it's skin that I got to get cut off at some point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it feels, it's great. And now, you know, I'm very conscious of everything that I put in my body. It doesn't mean I won't. Guys, I'm a human being. I'll see a Sprinkles cupcake every once in a while. It'll <laughs> happen. Uh, but that's been a fun sort of thing. And my trainer always talks about like re- training your brain and sort of like learning the new habits and stuff like that and he would always say to me don't believe me now but there's gonna be a point in your life where you're you're not doing what you used to be doing Mm -hmm. and this is gonna be the new normal thing for you so you know i didn't believe him i still don't but it is he's correct even though he's correct i still don't believe him (laughs) but yeah so now yeah i go to the gym a lot i go four times a week to the trainer Mm mm-hmm and then uh, I go to Gold's, the, what should we call it? Yeah, Hollywood Gold's, which is right. a lot of fun. I got whistled at the first day <laughs> by a much uh, larger bearded man, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is very exciting. So I go there. It's like the past version of you. Yeah, I go there on Wednesday. Well, he was just <laughs> enormous and a lot more cut than I'll ever be. But uh, I go there between shows on Wednesday. We taped two shows on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I just felt like a f- sloth being in a writer's room for eight hours and then going to the show taping and then catering's there and then 
We got right. another show taping at night, and I figured out I could just. And at midnight gives you cupcakes. They'll they'll be cupcakes there. Yeah. yeah. Thursdays are well. Wednesdays are super dangerous because our makeup lady makes crazy desserts that mm-hmm. you've never even dreamed of, like a rice crispy treat style thing but made with lucky charms <laughs> like how amazing does that sound well Pretty it is good. it's great uh but then i decided to go to the gym so now what i do is between shows i go run for 40 minutes and then i train four days a week and then sundays i try to run around the res- reservoir at hollywood which is 3.3 miles it's a lot of fun it takes me about a half hour i'm running a 10 minute mile thereabouts 940 if i'm really pushing it but it's good it's great I love so it. what is your diet uh, it is essentially, I mean, the, here's the basic, I can break down the basic rules. No carbs after two o'clock. So once two o'clock hits, no carbs. The carbs that I do put in my system are whole grain or, uh, it's just like no white flour, mm-hmm. uh, nothing too starchy. So like a potato's out. Um, and then after two o'clock, I try to eat one more time. So I'll have a dinner tonight. I don't, but I try to do that early. I try to stop eating at like seven and I don't go to bed until midnight. Nothing good sexually or food wise happens late at night. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good rule of thumb. I find it, you know, if I'm drinking enough water and I'm active enough throughout the day, I don't get hungry late. Sometimes I do. And if I do, I'll have a protein bar. That's like the only time I'm hungry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a bad habit of like, I eat one small meal late at night. Um, and that's it pretty much yeah wow good for you it's not it's <laughs> no not, it's not good for it's you it's not good no I'm it's saying, not working good for your good for your gumption to be able to do that no it's but it's like it's not working right now because i well so too much information i used to be um pretty overweight mm-hmm. i lost it like 10 years ago or so and have kept most I, i've kept it off i never got as low as i wanted to yeah. like i still i'm still would like to lose more weight. Um, but what was your, my target number, by the way, in my head forever, even as a child, like I was a fucking fat little kid. My target weight was always 280 pounds. Oh, really? Like I couldn't even dream to get down lower than that. Yeah. So do you, what was your target weight? If you don't feel comfortable saying that's fine. I, it's weird. I'm so, I'm so uncomfortable saying People, but I don't know why. People don't know if you're like two pounds away from it or whatever. So you could say your target weight. Yeah. No, you know, the thing is, I think that I hit my target weight, which was like 140. Yeah. Um, but I think in my head, I have this idea that like I should be 120 or something. Well, that's the thing. You get down. Yeah. And then you go, oh, well, there's still plenty I could do here. Yeah. You know, it's like you start remodeling a house and then you go, well, the front room looks great now. Right. Let's take care of the back. And uh, so that's sort of where where I am in this in this whole my I think the ultimate I don't know if I can ever do it, but my goal is to get down to one hundred and eighty nine pounds. That's eighty nine one hundred and eighty nine <laughs> pounds. It's just a tick under one ninety. Yeah. Um. But that's I'm all I'm gonna have to get skin surgery to do that mm-hmm. to get rid of whatever the fuck is left. Uh. You know. And I'm right now. I'm two thirty something like 237 thereabouts as of yesterday morning uh so it's that it's interesting to me because i've spent this entire year when i met dory i was 233 Mm. but i've put on i put on a bunch of muscle this year 
and it's been great for that aspect of it but you just i fucking hate that muscle weighs more yeah <laughs> than fat it's really annoying because you're always thinking about the number on the scale totally and not like you know how big my arms are or whatever it is how often do you weigh yourself every day every morning yeah just once a day no, sometimes I weigh it at night. Because mm. if I weigh it at night, I'll know what it is in the morning. Because like, right. I'm so attuned to my body. It's stupid at this point. Like I can, if I go off the rails a little bit, I can tell you exactly how much I'm going to weigh in the morning within two tenths of a pound. It's crazy. And I always, can, I, go, I always feel it. Sometimes I'll step on the scale. The crazy days are when I step on the scale and I weigh less at night than I did in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's like a joyous event that never ever ever happens but it does occasionally um but yeah just sort of it's so weird how your goals change you always think it's the thing you th- i want 280 280 my license says 280 <laughs> i lied my fucking license picture i was probably 320 but i said 280 on it and now that it says 280 i'm like ugh, get <laughs> that off <laughs> uh it's interesting but do you find like do you find that you're you do you find you're always thinking about it or do you find you're thinking yes. about it a little bit? You're always thinking about it. <clears throat> I'm always thinking about it. But um, so my husband and I are trying to get pregnant now and I'm doing fertility mm-hmm. stuff. And so they have me on all these different hormones. And recently I was on, well, so early on they put me on thyroid because my thyroid was slow. Yeah. And after a couple months, um, I did notice my metabolism got a little bit better. And I was like, oh, usually... Like, whereas normally the eating I'm doing would be pushing it a little, because I just have, like, I just, I just can't eat that much or else I will gain weight. Like, I just don't have a yeah. decent metabolism, you know? Yeah. Um, and so after a couple of months, I was like, oh, I should have been on thyroid years ago, probably, because I'm actually finding now that it's, I feel like my metabolism is a little faster. Are you, are you one of the actual rare occasions of there actually being a thyroid problem? I was, yeah, apparently. Crazy. But not... Not because when they called me to tell me that they want to put me on thyroid medicine, they're like, because your thyroid is whatever it is. They're like, it's not, it's not like, don't worry. There's nothing wrong with you or something. Yeah, it just could be a little better. Yes. It's like on the slower side, Um, which I had always suspected. In fact, when I was young, they put me on thyroid medicine, but it didn't make a difference. So I went off of it. But I'm now thinking maybe I just wasn't on it long enough because it really did take a couple months to notice a difference. But so anyway, then recently they put me on estrogen and that I, I was like, this is slowing down my metabolism. I can feel it. And I feel like I'm gaining weight and I feel like I'm gaining it specifically in my thighs and my butt and my stomach. Mm. Um, and, and so I was like, I've got, I I have to get this weight off. Like I'm, this is driving me, making me, I would put on my jeans and be like, I want to kill myself. And yeah. I realized that's a very unhealthy, not Absolutely. therapeutic, it's unhealthy, sound but we attitude. Feel like that. Yeah, that's so what I would say. Accept that, America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I can't stand this. So, the things that I would normally do to lose weight, yeah. meaning just really restricting, like, it's not working. Yeah. What is going on? Um, and so, they just today checked my thyroid again. Um, and I don't have the results back yet, but I'm like, something is up because yeah. I am tired all the time. I feel like I, so that's what I was saying when I was saying about like eating a small meal late at night, Yeah, it's just not working. And I'm sure people will write in and be like, you have to eat breakfast. You have to like jumpstart well, your of metabolism. Course. And that is, that is, you know, as far as I've in my own studies, which is essentially my studies are, uh, f- 12 years of trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. 
uh, eating breakfast is huge and eating a, a decent. So the whole thing, like, and my trainer says this too, is, is the whole eat a big breakfast, eat a smaller lunch and you eat the smallest meal as dinner. See that? I need to, that's the way I need the pyramid to switch go. Because, because if I'm going to mess up my diet, yeah. it's going to be late at night. Yeah. The metabolism needs to, you need to really kick, you do need to kick it into high gear. Yeah. And then I started reading this book by this trainer who did the fit to fat, fat, fit to fat to fit. So it was a trainer who decided to try and gain 80 pounds in a year and then lose it. How fun. It was, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. And, but he, you know, the, the one thing in there that he was, uh, eating every day while he was fit and then getting fit again, uh, was this shake that I, that I've taken to making it at home every morning. It? So it's spinach, three cups of spinach, mm, raw spinach, delish. uh, two cups of ice, three quarter cup of almond milk, a uh, scoop of vanilla whey protein and two tablespoons of peanut butter. He also says throw a half a banana in, but since I'm watching my carbs, guys, right. I skip the banana. Mm. And I make that up, and I drink half of it before I go to the gym, and then I drink the other half when I get back from the gym, and it's it's the best. And I don't need as much coffee during the day anymore for some reason. Hmm. And that I don't think that was anything he claimed. I just have found that since drinking that, I don't I don't need coffee. It's a, wow. it's crazy, guys. There might be something to this whole nutrition thing. I don't know. It feels I want, weird. So I need some of this in my life because yeah. I'm hating myself these oh, days. Come on over to our side. You and know, I've, I got, I I'm doing to... it. Dory's on, you know, in wedding mode already. Dory's right. like, I got a wedding in October. So she's going to the gym six days a week. Like it's, it's, we're in a, the house is very, uh, fit, fit focused. You know, she looks great. She's, you know, she's skinny. She's a girl. I mean, whatever. She's, I can't, there's nothing you can say about her. But she's wonderful, but she doesn't, you know, she's constantly working out. Right. I don't get it, but whatever. Me, constantly working out, I get, because I can see it. Hmm. I'm like, well, Tubby, come on, <laughs> get out of bed. And then I found this subreddit. Or, do you ever go on Reddit? Are you aware of Reddit? Um, I recently swore off ever going to Reddit. Okay. Because... Did you read about yourself? What happened? <laughs> yes. I used to oh, read about myself all the time. Don't do that. And then I was like, this is not doing anything good for my life. No. So I'm going to stop. Well, I will tell you. So... I discovered this subreddit that has sort of, it's greatly influenced my life. <laughs> it's called, uh, our fat people hate. Mm. So it's essentially a Reddit full of skinny people hating fat people. It's the most fascinating thing I've ever read in my life. Hmm. I can't stay off of it for some reason. And if they knew that, that I was, re- that I was at, reading Not it. that you're a fatty. No, I, I anymore. am. I'm not ha- anymore. A ham planet. That's what they call them. Ham planets? They call them ham planets. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the people that are skinny call themselves shit lords. <laughs> oh my God. It's really... I've got to go there. Oh. I wish it wasn't on Reddit. Yeah. So <clears throat> I... What's funny about this subreddit is that I mentioned it. You can look at the Reddit sub- subscriber algorithm and see like who's subscribing when they're subscribing. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it on a, on a Nerdist podcast, and that's when their fucking subreddit took off and started right. skyrocketing. But so I you love, go there for motivation? But I love that a fat guy talked about it, and that's why they're so <laughs> popular. That would kill them all. Right. Um, yeah, no, I go there, and I read it, and I look at and I, I it's it's really interesting to me. It's, dis, you know, it's disgusting. Of course. The way they talk about people. But there's part of me that's like, yeah, what the fuck? Come on. Now, question. Yeah. Are they hating on genuinely fat people yeah 
Or are they also hating on girls that have a few pounds to lose? No. They're it's, hating on planets. Really? Yeah. Planets and ham asteroids. <laughs> Those are it's 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 endlessly fascinating. But mostly mostly their thing. The thing that they're most riled up about is the whole healthy at any size movement. Oh yeah, I worked for someone who felt that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, it is it in, that's what they're mostly riled up about to to a point. Because it Which, aesthetically offends them or because they don't think it's healthy. They don't think it's healthy. See, it's not an aesthetic. It's well, well I mean, if, I'm going to get on a soapbox for just please, one second. Please. This whole thing where people have realized that it's not healthy to be overweight, I feel like gives this righteous mask to people who just want to hate fat people Mm. and then they're like they can say all the awful things they want and they can direct all their judgment at overweight people because they're doing it for their own good and it's like you are not fooling actually you're fooling most people but you're not fooling this former fat girl yeah no that's an interesting way to look at it why don't you why aren't you so upset at people who are smoking as well and why aren't you so upset well that's what they say on the subreddit too that's what they talk about they talk about like like why why is why is it okay to like ridicule a smoker to no end till uh, they quit who does that though but if you i mean people do it you know but people not did as it much to it, me okay you know it was you know is it, it but not as much yeah but not as because i don't you can't see it constantly that's the thing people that smoke aren't always having a cigarette in their mouth and i think if they were always having a cigarette if there was some aesthetic note to them smoking i think that it would be a thing that people were always like going like come on man what are you doing maybe but i don't think you get the same um i don't know what the right word is. (laughs) vitriol vitriol was what i was gonna say but the same judgment at like if you are overweight yeah that's all people see about you yeah and it informs how they feel about you whereas if you smoke it's like it's just oh you have a vice I think. To, yeah, but it's also like you're killing yourself, you know? Yeah. You know, and I think that they use that sort of angle of it too. So there is, there. it's a really, it's fascinating to watch just on a, on a, on a level of, of pure voyeurism, mm-hmm. just to go on that subreddit and look at all the things they're talking about, the Facebook posts of people they pull to make fun of. I feel like I would... I'm curious, but I feel like I'd be in tears by the end of it. Oh, you might be. I, you know, it's 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 brutal stuff yeah. they say, but it, all of it's like it's interesting to me because there's so many there are so many people out there, and I mean, it's, you're just finding it on this subreddit because they're looking for it. But like, there's a lot of well, that's how most is how a lot of people feel. Is yeah. that where, where you were going to go with it? Well, or yeah, I don't. It's cynical? interesting because the it just I don't. There's a point where like you get. Like I, I for part of me wishes that there was this this subreddit existed and I was made fun of on it when I was like seventeen. Mm-hmm. Part of me really wishes that because I I think that would have been like a big wake up call to me, just to go oh fuck. Did did you not get ridiculed? No, not really, because I you know I was funny and I played football. Oh, so you know you're I popular. I didn't get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. It was an interesting thing because like, and I got to the point where I was so heavy that I had my sleep apnea was so bad that I slept every single night on my knees, kneeling at my bed because that was the only way to keep my airway clear. And I would just kneel at my, I'd put two couch cushions on my knees and then I would just kneel and lay and just sleep like I was sleeping on a table. Mm -hmm. That's what I, and then I would, that's how I slept for like a year. It was crazy. 
insane. Wow. And yeah. then I had to get gastric bypass. Like, I couldn't do it on my own. I don't know. I just didn't... I don't think I... A, I don't think I really tried at the time. Mm-hmm. But it was... I think it was good that I managed to eat through it and undo the God knows how much money in surgery. Because <laughs> uh, then I was able to sort of find it within myself to be able to get into shape. And I'm not doing it... For me, it's not an aesthetic thing. It wasn't an aesthetic thing initially. And then as you sort of get smaller, you sort of go, oh, yeah, but I can, now I can start buying these suits and I can mm-hmm. do this and I can do that. And then it sort of turns into a thing where you find the healthy lifestyle and you, if if it's working right and you're doing it right, you, you, you start to love it and you start to really like it. So I ride my bike everywhere. I, I never drive my car. I drove here for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Two blocks and, away uh, or so. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like, I like. I like being active. I like being fit, but I don't like thinking about it constantly. Yeah. And that's what I do is I constantly am thinking about it. I feel like you just kind of have to be. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Does that ever stop? I don't know. That's when you have to be worried. Yeah. (laughs) I think. I don't know. I don't know. Constantly. I don't know. I mean, I I actually, so I'm someone who weighs myself all the time, but just because recently I felt like. I don't know what's going on, yeah. but I, I feel like I've gained a few pounds and I can't get it off and I it's it's fucking with my head. I stopped getting on the scale and I'm like, I'm just using my clothes as a gauge. Yeah. Just until I feel like I can get it back under control. Until you can get on the scale and face the number. Yes. Yeah. But then I even, I mean, this is how much is on my mind. I, today I was driving around and I was like imagining telling someone how I feel about this and I imagining them saying, well, how much do you weigh? And thinking... The first thing you always sort of need to know is what is the number, except that I think that it's just because I don't know if you have this level of craziness. I'm afraid if I get on and I see a high number, then I'll become inured to that number and then it won't freak me out anymore. Oh, that's an interesting. Because that's happened to me before too. Or also I'll be like, I have to really diet. I have to really diet. And then... I'll step on the scale and I'll be like, oh, it's not bad. And then I'll actually not diet as much right, like that. Go that hard, yeah. yeah. So I just right now I'm like, I'm it's, just waiting till I, till my, I sense it's under control. The to thing get on the in scale. this new, what my trainer calls of me laser focus that I have currently, mm-hmm. I think a big part of that has been the, my fitness pal app. Oh yeah. I used to use that. I don't know so I, I used it and then, but what has changed it for me is actually turning on push notifications Ugh. so that it will remind me when I don't log in. Mm-hmm. So now I'm always, whatever I put in my mouth, I'm always thinking of the caloric number of it. It's insane. Yeah. People should not live like this. I wish I was just doing manual labor all day <laughs> and had to eat like 20,000 calories. <laughs> is that a thing? No, probably not. Probably not that not much. Not that much. But like Michael Phelps, he eats, you know, 16,000 yes. calories and he's in a pool all day. I yeah. wish that was my job <laughs> to be in a fucking pool all day. But my job is to sit down and look at Reddit fat people hate and make <laughs> fun of it somehow. <laughs> Let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me? Or everyone. All right. This is where people write in and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? Um, who does this or who thinks this? Okay. So Flower Hungry says, earworms don't really bother me. For several days, a song becomes the musical score to my life and that's okay. No, they bother me. 
I'm I'm with her though. Really? Yeah. I think I do enjoy when a song sort of becomes in my brain for a couple of days. I like that she's she's sort of right because it is like a sort of like and then you can reflect back on those songs and sort of remember what was going on in your life at the time like, ah, when Tuesday. Gnarls Barkley's Crazy was in your head constantly. <laughs> like, oh, 2006. That was an interesting time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Bruised by Dawn says, just mirror everyone, find it odd when somebody puts the entire threaded section of a water bottle in their mouth to drink. Ew. Who yeah. does that? It's maniacs. That is odd. Some people would, yeah. Everyone finds that odd. Yeah. People will drink a beer like that, though. Ugh. Won't they? People are gross. Yeah, they are. All right. Here's one that I sent in, <laughs> and I, cho- I selected it because uh, I've got the in. Secretly like it when my spouse is homesick and then feel guilty for feeling anything other than upset he's sick. Wait, I don't even understand Okay, that. Okay. I, I should have run this through me a little bit. When my husband is homesick, yeah. I secretly like it because he's here. Right, yeah. But then I feel guilty because I feel like I should just be bummed. Like, I shouldn't be happy he's sick. Oh, I see what you're saying. So I'm in conflict over feeling happy about the fact that he's home. You like him being there, but you don't like that he's sick. Well, I, yeah, I don't like that. I feel like I should just be like, oh, what a shame. I can't wait to you back on your feet and back at work. It's a, you might have like a some sort of borderline disorder where you maybe you start making your husband sick. Just yeah, so I was going to say Munchausen by proxy syndrome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What if you, Do end you think up it's doing bad that? that I'm putting heavy metals in his food? I don't know what heavy metals are even, but I'm doing it. How just, much? Just... As long Does as it's it, at breakfast, because then that jump yeah. starts. Yeah, <laughs> totally fine. Right. She's 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 feeding him all the tuna that Jeremy Piven was eating when he got mercury poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Valen Sayer says, "Hate when people say that is the best restaurant in the world." Oh, really? You went to every other restaurant in the world? Just me, or everyone. The best restaurant, I believe, is in Norway. It's usually voted the best restaurant, and it's called. Um, Oh, God, what is it called? But there is an answer to that question of what is the best restaurant in the world. Oh, all right. It's, but- the, it's the Oslo Popeyes. <laughs> yeah, that's the answer. <laughs> but I don't really mind when someone uses that kind of hyperbole. In fact, if anything, I mind when people mind it. Because I remember when I was a kid, going back to being sick, I don't know what I had, but I had to take some kind of liquid medicine. And I remember every time I take it, I'd be like, ugh, it tastes like makeup. And I remember some... <laughs> woman who was so satisfied with herself not my mom was like and have you tasted makeup little girl (laughs) no but don't we all know what i mean come on it tastes like what i imagine makeup it tastes like what makeup smells like that's a different kind of hyperbole because you're not saying this takes this tastes like the best makeup in the world right (laughs) you're not saying that right exactly i think if you if you rein it in i don't mind if someone says this is the best restaurant uh in a city I don't mind if you say that, but to say the world is, come on. It bugs you? Yeah, it really does. All right. Rosina18 says, just me or everyone, always have a mini internal conflict or whether or not I should add a period to the end of my tweets. Yeah. Because I'm like, this sounds breezy. If I put a period on it, it looks like I labored over it. If you can spare the character, put a period in. Don't be a dummy. (laughs) All right. Rosina18 also says, judge companies based on how terrible their websites are. That's an interesting thing to do, because I will say, there is a large corporation out there that has one of the worst websites I've ever seen in my life, and that is Walt Disney. <laughs> if you've ever gone on the Disney yeah, World it does website look very and like... tried to book something, uh-huh. it's almost impossible. Uh, but I can't judge them, because they have Splash Mountain. That's fun. 
You know what it is? If I am unfamiliar, if I'm trying, if I'm shopping around, yeah. I will judge them based on their website. Yeah. Although there's things that could be in like if there's the right information or whatever where I'm like, oh, I'll overlook that. I will tell you the thing: the companies I do judge the most by their website are the Shark Tank success stories. <laughs> I'll go on their website and see what's doing, and yeah. sometimes they have real shitty websites. <laughs> real shitty. You guys watch Shark Tank? No. Yes. No. Yeah. I've I've definitely done the same thing where if I'm looking for some kind of product or service and somebody has a really terrible website, I just think I can't. Right. I can't trust them. Yeah. They don't. They don't they're not. They just got up doing. and running. It yeah. looks like. Or they don't, you know, yeah. they their their nephew made their website five years ago and they don't care or yeah. right. enough to update it. I think, what did you do with Mark Cuban's money? <laughs> Something just came up recently that had to do with Shark Tank. What could it have been? GPS tracking collar for dogs, maybe? I think it was Ooh, that. That sounds great. Like tag, get it? T-A-G-G. Um, the problem with the GPS tracking collars for dogs, because it was suggested, because Wendy's kind of a shy dog, yeah. and our dog trainer said that like there was this awful, sad story of a pit bull um, who... Singer-songwriter pit bull. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so you're familiar with Yes, then. of course. This awful story of a dog that got loose, but a shy dog that got loose and the, all the want, all the not wanted, all the lost dog signs said, you know, if you see her, don't call her name, just call whatever, because she won't come if a stranger call wouldn't come if a stranger called her. So there were all these sightings in this like square area. They'd narrowed it down, and then she got hit by a car. Oh. And, and the trainer was like, so with Wendy, except that Wendy's not as shy as she was, but at the beginning, like it's like the lesson here is have a GPS collar on your dog because with a dog that won't come when they're called. Um, but so anyway, I started looking into them. They're they're huge, though. <laughs> That's the problem. It's like it's like a it's like a adding a um, a remote control to your dog's collar or something, and not can't not they, an uh, Apple ta- TV. Can't remote. they put a chip? Can't they? they chip she them? is microchipped, but yeah. they can't track with them. All oh, that does is like if someone's like, I found ID. this dog. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, if anyone knows of a good not colossal tracking collar yeah. for a dog, they just strap an iPhone to the dog. Well, that's about the size of these. Oh, all, right. Um, all right. Let's see. Leap first says, I immediately get tired. Uh-oh. I'm going to yawn just from reading that. Part of my problem with the monkey with my hormones is that I am yawning. Con- well, okay. In truth, I have a problem where I yawn anyway. Yeah. Uh, but it has it had gone away, which makes you think it's like anxiety related or something, but it's back. Leap first says, I immediately get tired when I enter a big box store. By the time I make it to the cash register, I need a nap. I don't immediately get tired. I just immediately don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. They've never gotten the lighting right yeah. in a big box store. Although, I will say, there I've meant, I've lost many an afternoon to a Target. Really? Yeah. Target is the worst for me. Target is I instantly want to leave when I'm there. Yeah. I can deal with Costco. I have I have, Costco's Costco's kind of crazy for me. Yeah. Although I do find it like the stuff they sell at Costco, a Costco sheet cake. This is fat me talking. Mhm. God damn. Do you I have would, a name for fat you? Because I have a name for fat. Well, no, I don't have a name for fat me because I still feel like I'm fat me. Right. Like I feel like left to my own devices, th- there would be no sheet cakes left at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> I would just eat them all. Can I guess your fat name for yourself? Yeah, I, I blurted it out the other night. Oh, Natalie. <laughs> no, it's not that kind of name. 
<laughs> it's um, it's Nibbles McGee. Oh, oh sure. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not. That's not a name for fat me. That's a name for the me that that is like I'm gonna have a few chips. I'm gonna have a few more. Yeah. You know. And in fact, I wanted to clarify before when I said that I'm like all I do is have a tiny meal at the end of the day. I want to explain. I'm not that controlled. Yeah. It's not like I never fuck up or anything. You're grazing. Niggles, nibble, niggles. Niggles. <laughs> That's not what I meant to say. Nibbles McGee is in there. And like I'll have to say to my husband, can you put anything tempting on a high shelf far away from me and also hide the tongs up there because that's how I get it. <laughs> and then he's like, am I talking in nipples? I'm like, yes. Uh. Um, <laughs> we have fun. Anyway, okay. Um, and then I also nicknamed, so in addition to yawning all the time, yeah. I find that like I become incredibly twitchy. I'll notice it if I see my, uh, my fear because I, I was just on, I just did a TV appearance recently. And I was like, oh, good. I'm not as twitchy as I fear I am. Because I'll just sit in front of the TV and I'll realize I'm like flexing muscles in my face. I'm, my whole face is very self-conscious right now. So I gave that one a name, too. And that's Twitchy McGee. Oh, everyone's yeah. Irish, huh? Yeah, we are. No, we're, we're just McGee. <laughs> and then my husband was like, ah, oh, n- nibbles and Twitchy. And I was like, how sad. <laughs> and I was like, they're cousins, though. They're not sisters. Sure. Oh, speaking of, Fat Tony BMX says, get annoyed when light switches are confusing or hard to find. Turning on light should not be a mission. In our bedroom... Where is this a mission? In, in my bedroom. Fat Tony BMX has been in there, apparently. One of the lights is on a dimmer, yeah. but it's not just like a slider dimmer. It's a thing you press, and if you press it too many times, it gets dark again. Oh, it's really confusing. That's just I kind dumb. of hate it. Yeah. All right. And finally, Burgundy says, just me or everyone, sitting on the counter, feet in sync when getting ready. I just like to really get in there. Hashtag gal chat, which is a segment we do occasionally on the show. And it sounds like this. Gal chat. Um, no. Listen, people who only ever sit on the floor or who sit like a bird on the counter. What does that even mean? How tiny and limber are you? My favorite way to get on into the mirror is to stand there and sort of lean near it. Or Wait, what? There, she has enough empty counter space that she can sit on it and then she throws her feet in the sink. Am I reading this correctly? Yes. Is that a thing people do? The little tiny women who are limber. I bet she doesn't have one extra pound on her. I don't know. That seems... You're not sitting right. My friend Corinne in New York, you want to know how she put on makeup every day? She's huh. just sitting on the floor with her makeup bag in a mirror. That couldn't be more uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know what this is like. This is a whole new world no. to me. The closest you got to this was the way you slept. Yeah. Just kneeling. I never sit on the counter. I'm not one of those nimble little people who's well, how, like, I'm going to pop up on what, up on the counter. What purpose does that serve? Getting closer to the mirror, I guess. But just get... Just get a mirror and honey, hang it on your door. Go to Target. <laughs> it's the Lose best. an afternoon. Just take a left right when you get in there and you're going to see all the mirrors they have you can get it up to 10 times magnification mirror and it's real air conditioned in the summer that's why i lose a lot of afternoons to target my dad always would never turn the air conditioner on at the house he'd always just take me to kmart (laughs) wow and we'd just go hang out at the department stores or whatever costco was he was a big fan of taking me to lunch Mm-hmm. And then what he would do is just take me to Costco on a Saturday and, and we'd just eat on free samples. Mm. Speaking of free samples, <laughs> did you know that you can get free samples from Nature Box? 
You know you're going to snack. When you do, you want it to be worth it. You want snacks that are from Nature Box. Choose from over 100 healthy and crave-worthy options to be delivered right to your door. All of their snacks are made with zero artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners, zero grams, trans fats, and no high fructose corn syrup. Best of all, they taste amazing. Grab something like sweet blueberry almonds, salted caramel pretzel pops, and Parmesan Parmesan garlic pop pops. And by the way, it's come up on the show. I say Parmesan. Many a person says Parmesan. I just know they're good. Right now, if you go to naturebox.com slash Allison, you can get a free trial. We were just talking about free snacks. Well, here you go. Get your free trial of your favorite snacks. They'll be delivered right to your door. What are you waiting for? Go to naturebox.com slash Allison to start your free trial today. Again, that is naturebox.com slash Allison to try your yeah. get a free trial. Stop being a ham planet. Eat some Naturebox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so sad. It's crazy. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why I can't stop looking at it. It's really interesting. It does it bum you out or no? It never bums me out. Really? No, I just find it. I just find it bizarrely entertaining. I feel like were you not? You weren't an emotionally fat person, were you? You were just a fat person. I don't know what is an emotionally fat person. Me. Describe what that is. I think Jonah. Jonah, a bit. sure. Um, uh, an emotionally fat up. person is someone who. Uh, maybe maybe it's just more women. No, Shane Dawson has. I was gonna mm. say maybe it's just more women, but Shane Dawson also has this. It's that no matter how much weight you lose, you always feel like a fat person. Oh no, you I always, definitely feel like a fat person. And you have intense body dysmorphia. Yeah, well, I, and yeah. you feel less than everyone else. Yeah, and you feel like people are always thinking that you're gross and ugly and you oh also God. feel like you're like, gross and ugly. Dory sent me this picture of us. We went to this thing the other last weekend and I was in a gray suit and I thought I looked so terrible and f- enormous in the gray suit that I said I will never wear a gray suit again. Okay, you're emotionally fat. And I just and I had just bought it too. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is never happening. I'll, sh- I'll show you the picture just so you can agree with me. Do you ever have trouble leaving the house? Don't see? The gray is terrible. I, feel I look like... enormous. Thank you. No, I'm covering up half of it. Do you ever do that with pictures? No. I'm like, um, is it double breasted? I mean, it's is there a got vest? a it's got a vest. That's the problem. That I think. is, That's yeah, there the you problem. go. It doesn't That's separate. what's happening. Yes, <sighs> I don't think you look humongous, but I see that perhaps it's yeah. not. It also as... made me trim my beard. Really? I was like, I gotta. I have a neck. People can see that I have a neck if mm-hmm. I trim my fucking beard. <laughs> It was a little out of hand. That that picture she sent me where she thought we looked so great sent me <laughs> on an emotional tailspin that oh. uh, the likes of which I have not seen in a while. Yes. Well, I relate very much. Yeah. I So I recently did this TV appearance and it had been a while since I'd done anything on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so before I had a chance to watch it, someone had tweeted a screen cap okay. and I was like, oh my God. I look so fat. Oh my God. And then um, it was going to be like a number of hours till I got home. But my dad emailed me and he's like, you are great. You look beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And I wrote back and I was like, oh, did I look fat? <laughs> That's, I said a few other things, but I was like, I said, thank you know, I, yeah, I said, did I look fat? And he's like, no, not at all. And then I, I explained the whole screen cap thing. And then I came home and I was like, oh, it really wasn't. It was just a screen cap that wasn't flattering. Yeah. The whole thing wasn't as unflattering as I thought yeah. it was. It wasn't that one frame played with sound underneath it. <laughs> I mean, because of course, also part of being emotionally fat is the fear that no matter what, 
you're going to turn around and you're you're that person that you used to be. Oh yeah, I'm then I'm the emotionally fattest, I think. But then I need to say this because I do you, tell me if you have this. Yeah. Whenever I talk this way, then I worry that someone who is Yes overweight yeah. is going to hear that and be like oh, yeah. you're making me feel terrible and i would never want yes. that yes because constantly. i yeah because but i, I always don't agree that. that people who are overweight need to be made to feel like pieces of shit like no, some they people don't think. need to be but no. guys get a hold of yourselves well get healthy for you yes don't do it for anybody else yeah i do, do have it to say you. it is it is true that the o- i feel like the only thing they found that can really in- add a- an extra 10 years onto your life is being severely underweight yeah. Like those cal- there's like a calorie restriction diet which yeah. is the the best what it's really good article in the New Yorker many years ago about that and it was really like just gets you in the in the gut. I just pointed to my heart, but um cuz they're kind of crazy as well. Yeah. But cuz they're like we're going to live to 120 and we eat 400 calories a day or something. Well, there is two ends of the spectrum, guys. All I want is for all of us to meet in the middle. All right. That's all. And be healthy, just but be healthy. not live to 110. Fucking take the stairs, and if you're out of breath, take the stairs more. Yeah. And those calorie restriction people, they don't look like a happy group. Well, I don't think they are. Yeah. <laughs> They're not having a lot of fun. I don't see why you want to live to 120. I mean, right. not that you need to be running around with french fries and martinis every night, yeah. but they don't look like they're having a lot of fun. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the, uh, It's funny too because like when i started losing the weight when you put in your weight into my fitness pal it tells you you can eat this many calories we want to lose two pounds a week is the most you can lose on there which is a healthy amount of weight to lose uh, a healthy rate um so when i first started i was so heavy that it was like you can eat 2800 calories a day and wow. it was great and i could eat 2800 and lose weight and now this dumb app is down to 1500 calories <laughs> oh, you find it to be accurate do I find it to be accurate as far as caloric you input how many, or yeah. how many I can have left? How many you can have and still lose? E, to a point. It is to a point. It's interesting because like right now I have uh, I can have 650 more calories today, which means that I've already eaten 1,100 calories. Now, see, when you say you're going to go to Mendocino Farms, do yeah. you know the calories of what they make? Do they print that? I parse it out. I, I break down everything individually. Okay. So I go, there's this much of a spring mix. There's this much turkey. There's this much of this. Mm. I even bought, here's how lunatic I am at right now with my laser focus, as my <laughs> trainer calls it. I bought a uh, food scale for my desk at work. <laughs> so when I go to catering and grab a piece of steak or salmon or something like that, I can throw it up on the food scale That's smart. and see what, see what I'm putting in me. It's does, ridiculous. Does guys. Tom take new people? Yeah. I might have to get that number from yeah. you. Tom uh, will train very close to here. Really? Yep. We're going to have to talk in just a moment because this show is yeah. coming to a close. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Guys, Sports Center, big deal happening. It's nothing. But what is the big deal? It's just minor league giving me Red Sox minor league updates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I should. I came out of airplane mode too soon. It's okay. <laughs> you were winding down. It's okay. Email us show at gmail.com. We have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Get that by searching Hey, go fuck yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. And we also have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. First one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. Next one with Doug Benson, musician Matt Costa, and much of. No, all. No. Most. No, all. I'm confused with what I'm saying because I'm thinking about 
I'm going to finish what I'm saying and then I'll tell you what I'm thinking well, about. D- did Doug just not leave? <laughs> yeah, he's stuck around. Uh, it has the former Thursday gang as well. And those are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Get those by searching Allison Rosen in iTunes. Um, anyway, I'm just hung up on worrying that people who are overweight are going to hear this and feel bad. But I don't think so because... No, don't. We're on your side. We're on we the are side you. Of, we're on humanity's side. Guys, we're all... Deep down inside, I think we're all a little ham planet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, the journey of, of a fat person, I just know that one so well. And I have so much compassion for that, regardless of where you are on your ham planet journey. <laughs> <laughs> How far on your journey to shit lord you are. <laughs> right. <sighs> all right. Okay. Anyway, what I was saying was, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, click through the banner on my website. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show immensely. The banner is at alisonrosen.com. Um, and also PayPal links on the right side of my website, alisonrosen.com. Thank you so much for all the support. I can't tell you what it means to me. Okay, you can follow Jeff at... Colonel Jeff Fox on the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram. And my podcast is Barracuda Radio. We have a brand new episode out. Hot Rod Entrepreneurs. Nice. And for Matt, tell everyone where to find you and plug everything you want to plug. Uh, just go Twitter at Matt Myra, M-A-T-T-M-I-R-A, uh, spelled like Mira, pronounced Myra. Uh, and please watch uh, watch At Midnight on Comedy Central. Uh, check out the Nerdist uh, podcast, James Bonding, and Phoebe podcasts, and that will be far more than enough of me. Frequent guest of my Thursday show, Jordan Morris, also works on At Midnight. Jordan is a great guy. I love yes, Jordan. Yes, he is. Matt Myra, it's been delightful having you on. Thank you. Thank you, very you much. so much. I appreciate it, and uh, I hope someday you decorate your house. <laughs> All right, the show's over, and that means it's time to get free snacks at your door from Nature Box with, with over 100 options to choose from. Get the bold flavors you crave and feel smarter about snacking. Go to naturebox.com slash Allison to start your free trial. That's naturebox.com slash Allison. All right, you guys, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know? Alice and Rosen Show We had a good time But now we gotta go Yeah, Alice and Rosen Is your new best friend